house. No, the right no, house. I did it. Get we want to talk to Marilyn Hack. I'm from Canada water. same thing every 10 years love is in the air you come here a lot yes no not a lot i mean sometimes what's your name gloria and i don't know if i'm being foolish hello are you asking me out ow ow you want more of the sides uh, a little bit more than that, actually. Hello, and welcome to the This Head Oscar Buzz podcast, the only podcast that has been living in a cave on an island in New England and hiding out from ex-Nazi doctors and Ben Kingsley for the last 199 episodes. Every week on This Head Oscar Buzz, we'll be talking about a different movie that once upon a time had lofty Academy Award aspirations, but for some reason or another, it all went wrong. The Oscar hopes died, we are here to perform the autopsy, and somehow... We've made it to 200 episodes. I am your host, Joe Reed. I'm here, as always, with my co-host, who's always on the run now, Chris File. Hello, Chris. Uh, 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 I'm trying to think of other lyrics. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. Um, hello. Hi. Hello. <laughs> How are you? Hi, hi, hi. You could just sing the ones in Spanish. That's fine. So mm-hmm. it'll all work. Happy 200th episode, Chris. Two... 100 200 episodes, episodes is a lot of episodes. It's a lot of movies. It's a lot of IMDb games. It's a lot of plot descriptions. It's a good handful of guests. Many it's... said it couldn't be done. And they <laughs> and they said it wouldn't last. Yeah, what if we just like made up like a bunch of imaginary haters who we have to like battle back <laughs> against who were like they said that we would fail. And it's like who said and it's like they did. Um just to sort of give us motivation for the next 200. We gotta, I'm we just got gonna to... go uh, into a singing montage <laughs> of uh, Shania Twain's You're Still the One. Yes, exactly. I'm so glad we made it. Look how far we've come. Oh, my baby. What, what if this episode was just like the Tonys last year where they just did like a concert instead of giving out the awards and it was just, <laughs> we had a cavalcade of performers to just like come out and serenade us and and, uh, you know, celebrate us for making it to 200. I'm sure we could uh, corral some Garys and uh, friends and former guests to uh, sing in our honor. We started this episode or this podcast, Chris, in 2018. That's crazy. A, a lifetime ago. A lifetime ago. We Seven- started this podcast relatively shortly before we saw this movie today. That's true. Yes. It I was- think that's part of why we settled on this for our yeah. 200th episode. Yes. Momentous occasion. Yeah, we chose for our 100th episode, we knew we were going to do Mother for a while because it was a, a crazy movie that we both had strong feelings for and we knew it would be a little controversial, but also would be like super fun to talk about. And mm-hmm. and that kind of seemed like a no-brainer. This one you had floated 
for us as our 200th. And it made a ton of sense. It's a it's a movie that sort of looms large in our friendship. You're right that it was a movie that we yes. saw together um, early on in the tenure of our podcast. That TIFF uh, was only like, what, three months into, I think? I think Didn't so. Didn't we start in June? I think we started in June. I mean, that makes sense because, yeah. like, basically every 50 episodes accounts for, like, a year. We would take, like, a week off right. previously. So, like, it still kind of amounts to that. Yeah. Our TIFF 2018 special happened between the 13th and 14th episodes of the podcast. Wow. That's amazing. I almost went back and listened to it. Did you? Um, the I audio not. was just tough. to see what we said about. Yeah, we had that <laughs> four way. We had we recorded it live with Nick Davis and Nathaniel Rogers in our uh, TIFF apartment, and it was just one of those in our TIFF dungeon. Yeah, yeah, in our dungeon. God, that was the most uncomfortable I've ever slept for ten straight days. Um, we just sort of like put the mic in the middle of the room and we didn't even all like necessarily huddle around it. We were just like super cash, and it was all uh, at like two in the morning. We've come a long way in audio. For as much as we are still not a uh, professionally produced podcast, and and we still, you know, struggle and tinker and and whatever, we've come a long way uh, in terms of audio quality. So thank you, for listeners, for sticking it, sticking it and out through fuck the fuck you, years. NPR listener. <laughs> yes, that's true. Sorry, sorry, we cannot be. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know what's their big news program, their big fancy news program, whatever. This had Oscar Buzz, a serial podcast. <laughs> Listen, we we should have actually had a uh, a serial esque uh, murder to solve, just to 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 thread it through all of our two hundred episodes, and we'd be no closer to solving it now if that was the case. Um, yeah, really, really happy to have made it this far. We show no signs of stopping. We have no shortage of movies in the hopper for going forward every year. They dump dozens more onto the pile for us, and we're incredibly grateful and thankful for that. So for our 200th episode, we have decided to talk about Gloria Bell, the glorious Gloria Bell. Chris, this movie means a lot to us. We mentioned that up front. Uh, tell, tell, the, tell the tale of uh, us seeing Gloria Bell at TIFF. Listen, okay, so we do the long haul. We're one of the demented people that stay there the whole time. Yes. And by a certain point in our years of tiffing together, we both usually just hit a brick wall where we just like it look happens. at each it's other. It's unavoidable. And yeah, it really is. Like you're taking a lot of information. You're actually on your feet quite a bit. Like uh, you're not eating particularly well. It's like you. We end up just looking at each other like food, food. Like you know, it's it's, it's very that. I yes. look forward to it very much. This movie. We saw it at that time. I feel like we maybe even planned like we're gonna need a little boost. Uh, on that day, whenever it was. It would have been like the second Thursday or the Wednesday. I'm looking at my Tiffer right now. It was, in fact, the second Thursday of the festival. There you go. There you go. Um, We both loved the original. Both loved Julianne Moore. Yes. And... By this point, by the way, I need to mention, I had already, in the two previous days, seen Life Itself and Out of Blue. Uh, Life Itself, the um, uh, Dan Fogelman movie, 
disaster that we will probably be doing on this podcast very soon. And then out of blue was that Patricia Clarkson uh, homicide detective movie that was insane. Um, Where she's like looking at her hand and is like, everything is made of stars. It's all about stardust metaphors. It's crazy. It's nuts. It has Jackie Weaver woofing down some chicken wings. (laughs) Yeah, but truly, like, what movie doesn't at this point? Um, Right, 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 right. Every um, movie needs it. Every horror movie has Jackie Weaver to show up, eat chicken wings, and then get terrorized by an evil spirit or murderer or something like that. It just happens. She's always the act one murder. Yeah. So we settled into Gloria Bell, knowing that, like, at the very least, because this is the thing about the buzz on Gloria Bell at that tiff was silence. It was very, very quiet. Everybody sort of knew that it was Sebastian Lelio remaking his own movie. And there was sort of a muted sense of why, you know, why is he doing that? Everybody loves Julianne Moore, Mm -hmm. but there wasn't a a lot of excitement about the idea. I think there was, we'll get, we'll get it into premiered it. like one of the first days too of the festival. It was maybe like the first Friday. It was so September like 7th. It all... So yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was early. Yeah. It was early in the week. And yeah. a lot of those early premieres at that TIFF were like life itself, beautiful boy. It was a lot of these things that were underwhelming people. So yeah. it is a little surprising and I mean, I guess, you know, not everybody that's seeing those movies also saw this movie and, like, gave it the kind of ho-hum response that it got. But it just wasn't it's a just priority. Kind of, it wasn't a priority for people. No. Nobody really expected very much of it, even if, like, you'll we'll talk about the Rotten Tomatoes. Like, the, the critics loved it. It's a 91% Rotten Tomatoes movie. And, like, even the people who, but, like, there was a quality to, especially those early perf- responses, that was muted, and we'll get into why. So we go in to see Gloria Bell, and we're like, listen, even if it's not great, we'll have a good time, we'll be able to relax, it's not going to like traumatize us or anything like that, and we'll get to watch Julianne Moore and sort of chill out in the Scotiabank, and it'll be good. And then, into our little bubble of... Julianne Moore Bliss, we sit down, and who is sitting a row away from us, but one of... The bridge troll who shall not be named. Right. Like, the worst uh, movie blogger, Oscar blogger, uh, uh, bigot and and woman hater... Worst uh, in the business. You know who we're talking about. That guy. Someone who gets way too much gas online, Yeah, but we have to tell the story anyway. So he's sitting a row away from us, in front of us, and or two rows. It's enough. We're not like breathing down his neck or anything like that. But he's like two rows in front of us, but like directly in front of us, and we're just like, I think both of us sort of like looked at each other and we're like, oh god, this is the last thing we fucking need. Um, and I think we both sort of silently made the decision to like annoy him with enthusiasm. Yeah. Well, okay. So first of all, this. He's trying to, we're close enough that we can have him in eye shot, but not look directly at him and get pulled into his evil orbit. I was going to say, turn to stone, the story. Right. Exactly. You know, um, he's telling the story about how he basically harassed a TIFF volunteer and told them that he had a heart attack. Right. Um, 
Right. Which apparently I think cost him his accreditation because they don't accredit him anymore. Um, I mean, I'm glad something did. But, like, he's telling uh, this whole thing about, like, how ridiculous it is that he said he had a heart attack to somebody and they took it seriously and, like, tried to get him help and he thought that that was ridiculous, apparently. So this... And he was being very loud and making a spectacle of himself, like, wanting people to uh, endorse uh, his point of view in this situation. Um, And I think that's partly why we just kind of, like, look at each other and we're like, okay, we are going to be... Very vocal F slurs here, and we are going to make this a gay party. And Not in a way that would inconvenience other guy. people. Again, we just sort of right. Our our effusiveness for this movie was uh, apparent and uh, and vocal. So yes, we ended up loving this movie way more, certainly way more than I expected to. Even though, like. It's the same. It's the same story. You know what I mean? Like it does not change very much. Yeah. Sebastian Lelio has described this movie as sort of a cover version of his his original, and um, but it's great. And you, if you've seen the original, you know that like the one main thing on my mind was: are they going to end it the same? Because the ending of the original Gloria was one of my very favorite movie endings, and it cuts the exactly perfect moment to cut to end credits and i was like is he just gonna do it again is he gonna feel like he needs to switch it up because he doesn't want to repeat himself or whatever and it ends exactly the same way and i could not have been happier and i just like shot my arms up in the air and 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 yelled and applauded at the end and it was so wonderful (laughs) and i felt so good at the end of that movie it's hard not to feel great at the end of gloria bell right we were both totally like in it invested living for it i think like we are also just like the key demographic for this movie um which is women and gay men who just want to watch a woman live her life yeah uh (laughs) yeah which like that's what this movie is and um in but, all its like, sort of mundane also, and wonderful glory, yeah. Yes, but we are we are the type of audience member that's going to be hanging on every little bit of nuance of her everyday life, and you know, yep. reading into the minutia of the performance to like what is her character arc, what is her emotional arc, what is happening yep. Uh, yep. while she you know like cleans her bathroom or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. And of course, like that like we without like saying a word to each other that's running through our veins as we also are like in the presence of a monster who we (laughs) know is not the core demo for this movie so it's like we are going to without disturbing our other um fellow moviegoers are going to uh thrive on this movie (laughs) it was also it was also not an incredibly well attended like again second thursday of the festival so a lot of people have left none of these screenings none of these press screenings are are super full so um you know we 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 have the space so all right 
We are now almost 45 minutes into this episode. We really should do a plot description. <laughs> we okay. we promised after the EW series that we would get back to being disciplined, and uh, we've now thrown that out the window. But Chris, uh, we're going to task you with the 60-second plot description for Gloria Bell. But before that, we're going to run down the specifics. Uh, 2019's Gloria Bell was directed by Sebastian Lelio based on his 2013 film, uh, Gloria, written by Alice Johnson Bower and Sebastian Lelio, starring Julianne Moore, John Turturro, Rita Wilson, Michael Sarah, Karen Pistorius, Holland Taylor, Brad Garrett, Gene Triplehorn, and Sean Astin. It premiered on September 7th, 2018, at the Toronto International Film Festival. It did not open until the following March, March 8th, 2019. Chris, I'm going to put my stopwatch on, and we're going to prepare for your plot description. Are you ready, sir? If I can't get this movie with minimal plot in under 60 seconds, I should not be allowed to do it anymore. (laughs) All right. Well, then you have laid down the gauntlet. So perhaps Chris Files' last 60-second plot description is beginning now. All right, we meet Gloria Bell. She is a uh, woman entering her middle age. She is a divorcee. She has two adult children. Anyway, she uh, like enjoys the nightlife. She loves dancing, but she meets a man named Arnold one night who uh, he is a recent divorcee as well, and he's uh, uh, like kind of shy. He runs a paintball business, but like the relationship takes off. Anyway, she takes him to a birthday party for her son, where her ex husband and uh, his new wife are there, and like it's all you know, reminiscing uh, thirty. even though it ended poorly Arnold who is a piece of shit leaves her there to be humiliated and then it kind of breaks up the relationship right anyway like she you know thinks about her life she smokes a blunt she uh, hangs out a little bit but then he decides to get back together with her after calling her a ton of times takes her to Vegas leaves her at dinner um, and then she uh, ends up going to his house with his paintball gun and shooting him to the sounds of Bonnie Tyler goes to a wedding reception late and decides to reclaim her life by dancing to the song of her own name that was finished in 65.56 seconds i'm sorry chris file you have to retire from uh from plot descriptions apparently audience cheers wait a second that means that i have to do all of them no fuck that i'm unretiring you no you're uh you have to take that back um still pretty good yes good plot description Chris. Not a plotty movie. It's about a woman living her life, and we should all celebrate that. Yes. Like, like, and what I love about Gloria Bell is it is a movie. It's not quite a vignette movie, but it's not not that either. Like, so many small little scenes are in this movie that sort of add to the mosaic of Gloria's character. They all sort of serve a purpose. They all, you know, give you different shades of this woman who you know on the on the later end of middle age she's empty nested with her two children who are varying degrees of not close not distant like there's you know she doesn't have bad relationships with her kid but like michael sarah's got the wife who he's clearly having problems with and the new kid and they she is a, not a grandmother who like is called upon to help 
with the baby. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can tell, like, she wishes she had a closer relationship with him and, you know, and with the baby, and that's not really the case. And then her daughter has met this Swedish guy who she's uh, finds out that she's pregnant and she's going to move to Sweden to be with him. And so you get the sense that she pulls the full ladybird that she takes her to the airport and then loops around and, like, tries to see her. And she just sees, like, the little, like... Just too short to even, like, call out her name yep. or something. Yeah, it's a sad scene. And so, I like the fact that, like, it is... It's it's not this, like, melodramatically terrible relationship we has, she has with her kids. And we see that sort of reflected with the legitimately terrible relationship that the Arnold character has with his kids. A um, shame, because John Turturro is so hot in this movie. He's fantastically good too it's a really really good performance and um and i i want to get into that in a second but just sort of like back to the vignette uh nature of this you get these Mm -hmm. scenes like she goes to this like she goes to a yoga class she goes to this what seems laughing class like laughing (laughs) therapy thing she smokes a blunt she she smokes a blunt she tries you know all these different things she's willing to very much like gazelle as voiced by shakira in zootopia she's willing to try everything she wants she goes to these the, the thing that's so fascinating is these sort of like singles dances or these you know you know singles nights at whatever kind of like dance club that she goes to uh, which is, you know, 80s, 70s and 80s music. And you can, you know, meet people or not, dance or not. And and she really enjoys going to these so much, even though they seem to offer as much in the headache department as they do in terms of, you know, what's, what's freeing for her about mm-hmm. them. And... You really get a sense. What I love about this movie is it's all these vignettes and it's sort of this, you know, uh, you know, character study or whatever. And it touches on things without really saying them outright. There's a lot of like, mm-hmm. I, I hate the way the term economic anxiety has been co-opted by like gross political things that we don't want to talk about. But like there's legitimate economic anxiety in this where it's like, you know, she is divorced She's, you know, in her, let's say, late 50s. She was, uh, I think, Julianne Moore, at least, was in her late 50s when this came out. So, like, that's, you know, chalk it up I with think, that. I think she's a little bit younger than Julianne Moore is supposed to be. Well, anyway, she's in her 50s. Um, she's starting to sort of see around her. She has that talk with her mother about how, you know, Holland Taylor plays her mother. And she's like, your father left me quite a bit of money. And I think I might outlive it because, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and, and she has the coworker who talks, who they have a talk about how her 401k is not going to be, end up being enough for her. And that's even if, and that's if she lasts, you know, however long in the job, to get it and then she this woman eventually gets fired uh not too long after so there's this grim sense of economic the economic realities of being single and not incredibly well off right she lives in this apartment Mm -hmm. this you know apartment downstairs from this mentally disturbed man who's yelling all the time and uh and then at the same time she's at this stage of her life where she goes out to these, you know, singles nights at these uh, bars and she dances and whatever. And yet, without saying it outright, the movie clearly communicates that, like, if she's going to, if she wants to end up 
with a man, with, you know, another man to be with, there's a degree of settling that she feels like she's going to have to do. Like, that's why she goes back to Arnold the second time. That's why she doesn't sort of, like, mm-hmm. clean break it from Arnold after he ditches her at the family party, where there's the sense of, like, I'm going to have to compromise because, you know, the pool is not great when you're in your 50s. And you can and, also see that, like, performance of compromise yeah. um, when she's, like, talking about Arnold or, like, trying to, like, rationalize, uh, amp him up a little bit, yep. you know, when she's either describing him to someone or at that family party where, which is why he's such a fucking dick because she's like, it's like she was talking you up to these people. Um, But yeah, you see that compromise in like, uh, and again, like you said, without, uh, she never says, you know, how he can be unideal or how he's a little square, but the the expression on her face, which uh, watching Julianne Moore's face during him reading that like crunchy poem poem to her (laughs) is so good because she like, she goes through this like journey as he's reading her this like uh you know the type of poem you might see on like superimposed on a photo of a beach um right. it's very that and she like kind of tunes out and then ultimately she like kind of sticks with it and is moved and like cries yes but but you can tell she's making the choice to do that you know what i mean like emotionally invest in this yeah yeah well and this is also what i love about the Totoro character beyond the performance which i think is great um this this is a character who very easily in another movie that was about that character could be this guy as a protagonist he's got foibles Mm -hmm. he's got weaknesses that he needs to overcome he is not an ideal person. He makes mistakes. He fucks up. He's clearly coming from, you know, they talk about how he had like uh, weight loss surgery. So he's, you know, whatever kind of, you know, trauma he's sort of, you know, got from that. He also has a family who clearly hates him. His daughters clearly hate him. And he's got a monster ex-wife. Oh, like who like have their claws in him and will not Mm -hmm. allow him to uh, live his life. So like clearly there are, there is a version of his story that is very sympathetic to him. And that from his perspective, the audience then would be invited to, you know, while not letting him off the hook, uh, would be invited to, you know, share in his perspective. And what I love about Gloria Bell is it it allows you to acknowledge that while being absolutely unapologetic about the fact that, like, well, this is her movie. This is Gloria's movie. Mm-hmm. And from Gloria's perspective, this is a mon- this guy this is a guy who has like done monstrous, selfish things to her, not through malice, not because he's a predator, not because he's like an evil person, but well, because through, he's got baggage. But through his weakness and baggage and and foibles and weak and you know uh, 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 issues, ends up really wounding this woman. And the movie is like, we're not going to pretend that she's that this isn't the case for her, and we are absolutely on her side because this is her story we're telling. And I love that about the movie that when you get to the scene with the paintball at the end where she goes, which is a 
fucking hysterical scene the way it's filmed she goes the over crescendo of total eclipse of the heart is just like yep that is when we together were just oh like, we lost basically it. cheering yeah. in the theater we were so happy it's also though it's filmed so funny because she starts shooting him and he's reacting literally like it's at the end of the deer hunter or whatever where he's just like no and he falls over and then his daughters <laughs> come running out who and then never see who we've never seen and we're not even like it's a medium shot so it's not like we're even like get a good like super great look at the daughters but they come running out and the one is like you bitch i can't remember but then a split second after the daughters run out uh <clears throat> outruns the mother with her legs all bandaged up because we had heard in like the scene before uh, one of the scenes before about how she'd like walked through a glass door and so yeah. the sight gag of <laughs> this woman with her legs all bandaged up <laughs> is such a darkly comedic moment and that's when i lost it i thought that was so fucking funny and it is very adjacent to all the sisters from the fighter yeah kind of um, yes it's such a great like, scene them in the san fernando valley like, yeah yeah exactly um, yeah no it, it it's so beautiful but then the movie keeps going mm-hmm. too like it's this huge cathartic moment you could just like you the ending is so you're smart to say that it's one of like the best endings or at least one of your favorite because like, i love a cut to black ending that happens at the exact right moment it's a slam cut to black yep, that's too. what i love and yep. it's so good it's at the exact right moment but like the the paintball scene is already so cathartic mm-hmm. and so yep. like such a cheering moment uh what is it like fan favorite stand up and cheer oscar moment gloria yeah. bell um <laughs> gloria bell shooting john Turturro with a paint gun yep um, yeah where was that oscars fuckers but there's like there this is what's so so much that i get wrapped up in this movie that i love so much and in both movies is like there's kind of these degrees of catharsis because then what does gloria bell do she smokes more of that blunt and then she goes to this wedding reception and she's stoned but like you can tell she's like still going through it and like it sounds corny but like she goes out on the dance floor and there's a catharsis from that there is a certain degree of catharsis to that slam cut to black oh my god because of the you know feeling that it leaves you with that like i don't know it's it, it there is a certain degree that, like, Gloria Bell and Gloria are wavelength movies, in that, yeah. like, if you don't get on the wavelength of the performance, you're probably not going to appreciate all that it's doing. But, like, if you are, those, like, the catharsis that happens from this movie and, like, the heartache that happens from this movie, the multiple yeah. times that he, like, leaves her, like, that destitute sounds crazy, but, like, <laughs> And also, like, the catharsis of when she acts out in Vegas and she gets, like, wasty-wasted. Making out out with with Sean Sean Astin Astin. on top of the double-decker bus. Yes. Yeah. And then then she wakes up at the fucking Rio. First thing in the morning. Which is not on the strip. (laughs) No. Okay, I will tell you my story of being in... I was in Vegas with... Uh, I had just gotten hired by Television Without Pity, and they were having, like, an off-site in Las Vegas. And this was my first time meeting almost all of the writers, you know, all of these people who would eventually become, like, my, you know, my good friends. And 
And so we're sort of like bouncing around Vegas and we're the one evening we're like, what should we do? We heard there's some sort of, you know, uh, uh, night thing happens. Something's happening at the Rio that we wanted to go. And we're just like, cool. And you look and it's sort of like evening. And so you see all the like lit up casinos and whatever. And we look and it's like, oh, the Rio's right there. Like we can just walk to the Rio. We don't have to get into the shuttle bus at the hotel or whatever. It's a nice no. night. It's beautiful. We'll go and walk to the Rio. Well, Vegas lies to you. Uh, and so you can't go by what it looks like. You legitimately, we had to like walk across the highway to get to from where we were on the strip to the Rio. And when I say walk across a highway, I mean like run across the highway so that we would like, <laughs> and I, what I loved about that scene in, in, uh, in Gloria Bell is you, I caught the glimpse of the hotel sort of like briefly. And I was like, wait a second, was that the Rio? And then the next shot is her walking across the highway to get back to her hotel. And I'm like, yeah, that was the Rio. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, stay on the strip, kids. It's not worth it. The Rio and the Palm are the two that were like on the, uh, uh, the Palms rather were on the other side, and we're just like, yeah, no, we don't need to. We've got plenty of places we can go on our side for the rest of the trip. So, uh, and that's why we all ended up at the Westin. Um, anyway, uh, what were we saying? Yes, her 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 night snogging with uh, with Hansy Sean Aston, who is so it, good at it, being like oh, God, kind of a nightmare. And she's just like, you know what? Again, this is a movie about settling in a lot of ways and when to settle. I gotta say, Sean Astin, perfectly cast, because I don't think you even hear him speak. No, you don't. But, like, there's a... Because you recognize him and it's a weird thing that it's like, Sean Astin doing this, it adds to the, like, what the fuck Do you know who was originally supposed to play that character? Oh, my God. Corey Feldman. Oh my god. Right? Right. Yes, exactly. Would have been a different tone, is what I will say, if it was Corey Feldman. It would have been a lot creepier. I would have felt a lot more frightened for Gloria. For her safety. Yeah, exactly. Um, It, of course, recreates the spinning shot. So iconic from the first one. Yes, yes. What I also love, though, going back to that final final shot when she's dancing to Gloria, is... The acting in that scene is really phenomenal, and it it she sort of you track the whole arc of the movie on her face mm-hmm. from that where she's sitting at the table and she doesn't want to dance, and the guy asks her to dance and she says no, and you get so sad where it's like even after this triumphant paintball total eclipse of the heart moment, she still seems kind of broken by the Arnold relationship, and she doesn't want to. She just you know she barely dragged herself to this wedding, and um. She's just sitting at the table and she doesn't really want to do anything. And Rita Wilson's calling her over from across the room. And it's, listen, when Rita Wilson beckons you to yep. a dance floor, you gotta go. That's absolutely it. That's absolutely the case. And she finally gets out there and she's just sort of dancing by herself. And I mean, if you are the kind of person. Reluctantly, she, right. like, at first it's like, a, okay, I'm here. But then she starts feeling it. And then she starts getting less and less self-conscious and she does such a great job of like Gloria's not cool Gloria's not like this like you know whatever professionally trained dancer she's got her own little weird moves and she's you know knocking on air and she's you know <laughs> sort of like feeling herself up for a second and she's like, like jutting her neck and and there's a whole lot of just like it's a but she's clearly working herself back to a place where she can just 
enjoy dancing. She says it a few times earlier in the movie. She doesn't say she goes out to those bars because she likes meeting men, even though that is clearly like a an objective, a practical objective on her part. But she really likes dancing, and she likes dancing, and she doesn't mind dancing, you know. Uh, well, the whole like gun conversation leads to like end of the world or end of life talk, right. and she says, "I just want to go out dancing." And you see that even when she's like sh- all these sh- scenes of her in the car and like singing along to these '80s songs and whatever. And we'll talk about this Gloria Bell is second. secretly a jukebox musical, one million of percent. adult contemporary radio. Uh, Air Supply, Olivia Newton-John, uh, Gloria Gaynor, there's uh, Paul McCartney. There's this great, great soundtrack. But so she's there, and she finally is sort of recapturing that sense of her that allows her to just sort of dance on her own. And at the very second that she's fully got it back, the movie cuts to credits and is like touchdown essentially right like she's got it like gloria's gonna be okay and oh it's so perfect i mean as much as i talk about loving friendship cinema movies about friendship i love self-actualization cinema i was gonna say this is what i was starting to say earlier is if you are the kind of person who can resist a movie where julianne moore self-actualizes on a dance floor to laura brannigan singing gloria i i can't help you you know what I mean? Like you are, you are <laughs> well, beyond my capabilities. You yeah, you are beyond my capabilities at that point, and I wish you well. But um, I don't know. This is it's what a wonderful movie. <laughs> well, we're spending so much time, like justifiably so, because like we're both coming off of just rewatching this movie, so it's like there is a real like high to the final fifteen minutes of this movie. Mm-hmm. But like part of the other reason why I think we love it so much is like it's populated with so much like tidbits of like just juicy stuff Humanity. or nuance throughout the rest of the movie yep. like uh, the biggest fans of this movie are like gays who obsess over minutiae like us because it's like this is a movie where gene Triplehorn. i was gonna say is this you ramping up to talking about gene Triplehorn vaping yes yes yes, yes. yes. okay yeah um Rita Wilson talks about if you get a haircut when you get plastic surgery done, no one notices it, your plastic surgery. It distracts, yes. I know I wrote that down too. What a great moment that was. Yeah. I love that they just like take a like a makeup pencil under Rita Wilson's eyes and we're supposed to be like Oh, she got her eyes done. Yeah, yeah. Because Rita Wilson doesn't look like she's had plastic surgery. Well, um, and that scene is is prefaced a little bit earlier by that woman going up to Julianne Moore, at, going up to Gloria at the bar, and being like, can I just ask you a question? Have you had any work done? And, and Gloria is so flattered by that. Um, and she says she hasn't, but she's like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I think is such a such a nice moment. Uh, a moment... I want to know what this laughing class is. Oh, I know. It's such a brief little moment, and yet... It's like she probably got it on a Groupon, right? Yes. She seems like... Well, yeah, she seems like that kind of person who is like, if she hears Gloria about a thing, Groupon. she'll try it. You know what I mean? Like, she's like, why not at this point? You know what I mean? Like, what what does she have to lose? And that's such a great attitude. And that's why it's so sad when you see her after Arnold has left her in Vegas and Holland Taylor has to come to sort of retrieve her and she just looks broken and that's what's so sad about her being broken is she was a woman who things were not you know her circumstances were not great she's living in a shitty apartment her kids her relationship with her kids could be better her job situation is you know not great her financial security is not great her romantic prospects 
are not great at the beginning of the movie, and yet she's still no needs her. She was, and yet she was still trying things, and she was still active, and she still had a good attitude. And then after the Vegas thing, it's like, oh God, she's broken, and it's so sad to watch her feel so despondent. And that's also why that ending scene is so is such a triumph. It's a really, really well done movie. Props to Sebastian Lelio, I will say. I do feel like, and I love the original Gloria, and I love Paulina mm-hmm. Garcia's performance, and we'll talk about that in a Paulina second. Paulina Garcia fucking rules. I think Gloria Bell sharpens what was good about Gloria. I think well, it I mean I think it's it, I think it's a more precise movie. Sebastian Lelio is kind of on a tear doing these, you know, pretty different movie so it's like it's he remakes the movie and it's like you can tell he has more movies under his belt whereas like yeah other directors who've done it like uh, Hanukkah for funny games it doesn't I love that he that Lelio approaches this like a cover of a song that he already did that's how how he described it because like other directors who've done it I think that misses kind of an integral self-awareness to make a remake of someone's own movie work. Whereas, like, otherwise it just feels like, well, why are you doing this? But, like, there are differences to this movie that I think not only allow it to stand beside the original in terms of quality, but also have its own point of view. Uh, this is bisexual lighting. The movie that is true it is <laughs> it, it has a, its own real visual identity that the movie doesn't have, and that goes beyond you know the way that this movie is lit. It's incredibly shot by cinematographer Natasha Brayer. Um, like even the dance floor scene is way tighter on Gloria, yep. you know, yes, so that we can see this kind of performance arc that Julianne Moore gives. Yep. But like. Yep. It, the camera holds so close on her that you really the tone of the movie is different from the original in that it feels like Gloria Bell is constantly on the precipice of something yeah. constantly on the verge of having like this self-actualization breakthrough yeah. of what she needs to be happy um I, I in this rewatch I was like really just kind of taken with that tone yeah um so probably because we overdid this movie uh when it came out and i saw it a bunch of times and i haven't seen it since um yeah that was what struck me the movie comes about because julianne moore and sebastian lelio meet in paris in 2015 and it's essentially this sort of mutual admiration society she really loves his uh, movies she really loved uh, the original gloria and he really loves her work obviously she's julianne moore and so she was the one who says I would really love to do an American version of Gloria if you're interested. And he was, and that's sort of, you know, that was the spark that, that set it going. At this point, Julianne Moore had won the Oscar, uh, for 2014. So it had been by the point, by the time we had seen this movie, it had been over three years since she had won the Oscar. She hasn't to date been nominated since winning for Still Alice. This is, Chris, our sixth Julianne Moore film that we have done. We have reached, somehow managed to time it out so that our 200th episode, 
was also our sixth Julianne Moore episode. We do a love her. occasion for the now the entire headlining trio of the hours is in the Six Timers Club. That's true. That's true. Um, the films that uh, that we've done for Julianne, we've done Hannibal, The Shipping News, The Prize Winner of Defiance, Ohio, Crazy Stupid Love, Suburbicon, and now Gloria Bell. So Chris... As always, when we reach the sixth time with an actor or actress on this podcast, I give you a little quiz where the answers to all of these questions are one or more of those six films. So, let's not waste any time. We've still got a lot to go in this episode. (laughs) Um, Are you ready for the Julianne Moore six-timers quiz? I was born for this. Julianne Moore, my favorite actress. We start with some boilerplate questions. I do worry that I give you, uh, that these are so predictable that I give you the chance to study for them and and whatever, that's fine. But we'll move through them pretty quickly. All right. Chris, which one of these six is the longest? Okay, so our six titles. Prize winner, Superbicon, Gloria Bell, Shipping News. Hannibal, Crazy Stuff. Hannibal. Crazy stupid. Uh, the longest is Hannibal. Longest is Hannibal. 132 yep. minutes. Hannibal. Which one is the shortest? Uh, is it Gloria Bell? It's not Gloria Bell. Although Gloria Bell. Oh, it's Suburbicon. Suburbicon's short, right? Uh, yeah, but not the shortest. Wow. Okay. Um, I don't think it's Crazy Stupid Love. That's a pretty bloated movie. So that's going to leave Prize Winner of Defiance, Ohio. It's not Shipping News. That's two hours long. Is a prize winner of Defiance, Ohio? It is. 99 minutes. Prize winner of there Defiance, Ohio. All right. Which one made the most money domestically? Hannibal. Hannibal, $165 million domestic. Which film made the least money? Prize winner of Defiance, Ohio. $628,000 for the prize winner of Defiance, Ohio. So the correlation is that the longest movie was the most lucrative and the shortest movie made the least amount of money. I, I don't want to don't want anybody Take to that lean. short movies I guess. are better people. Which one was the best reviewed per Rotten Tomatoes? Gloria Bell? Gloria Bell, by a, by a good margin, 91% Gloria Bell. Which was the worst Atta reviewed? girl. Worst reviewed? Yeah. Uh, Suburbicon, it's gotta be. Suburbicon, 28%. I might have uh, knee-jerked with the uh, with the sh- shipping news there, but no. Okay. Which is the only film of these six with a score by Hans Zimmer? Hannibal. Hannibal. Which is the only film of these six with a score by Alexandre Desplat? It's not Suburbicon, is it? It is, in fact, Suburbicon. Boy. Which is... Two of these movies feature stars of the movie Superbad. <laughs> Gloria Bell Gloria for Bell, Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah. Yeah. Uh, does Michael Sarah, by the way, does not make sense as the son of Brad Garrett or Julianne Moore, but does make sense as the son of Julianne Moore and Brad Garrett? Wait, if that makes sense, it doesn't. What do you mean? I think it, I think he makes sense as their combined child, but not. But not separate. as the child of either one of them individually. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Um. Okay. And then somebody else from Superbad. That's Crazy Stupid Love. Emma Stone. Very good. Yes. Which two of these movies feature stars of the movie Drive? Ooh, Ryan Gosling in Crazy Stupid Love. Yep. 
and uh, Oscar Isaac in Suburbicon. Very good. Yes. Which of these movies opened during Aquarius season? <laughs> so February. Hannibal. Hannibal. Which of these movies opened during Leo season? August slash late July. Crazy Stupid Love. Very good. Yes. Which was the only one of these movies to play the Venice Film Festival? Suburbicon. Indeed. Correct. Which of these films' tagline was, you'll never guess what you'll find inside? <laughs> It'd be great if it was Hannibal. Um, <laughs> yeah, inside Ray Liotta's skull. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's Suburbicon. It is not, in fact, Suburbicon. Oh. Um, it, is it the shipping news? It's the shipping news. Isn't that a terrible tagline for the shipping news? What does that uh. even mean? You weirdos. <laughs> Which two of these movies were the only two on the list to be rated PG-13? Um, Crazy Stupid Love. Correct. And I guess the prize winner of Defiance Ohio, but that has like PG written all over it. It was the, all the others were R, uh, PG-13, prize winner of Defiance Ohio, and Crazy Stupid Love. Yes. Guess there's a fucking prize winner of Defiance <laughs> Ohio somewhere. Which two of these movies were nominated for Golden Satellite Awards? <laughs> Gloria Bell and, um, probably prize winner of Defiance Ohio. Indeed. Gloria Bell and prize winner of Defiance Ohio. And the final question of the Julianne Moore quiz, which two of these movies were nominated for the MTV Movie Award for Best Kiss? Crazy Stupid Love and Hannibal. Yes. Very good. Crazy Stupid Love and Hannibal. I hate that nomination for Hannibal so much. It's so creepy. Uh, But well done, Chris, on the Julianne Moore quiz. Thank you. I... I don't actually go back and do research because you were like, it gives Chris, you know, the opportunity to go into it. I actually don't. And especially for Julianne Moore, please. I didn't even have to crack my knuckles for this. (laughs) Maybe I'm projecting that if I were in your position, I would. Um, All right. (laughs) I love her so much. No, I understand. Like, you know, we've talked a lot about the, you know... 2000 era what a time it was for actresses and she was the one for me like we've talked yeah. about the camps especially like the message board like you know sure. jets versus shark sure. anchorman to all of the warring the uh, julianne moore's versus reels. the Kate blanchett's versus the annette mm-hmm. benning versus the nicole kidman's yep. versus the yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah everybody yeah. everybody picked their side and yep. i picked mine very good and i haven't left um though i did I did have to abandon ship on seeing all of her movies at a certain point. Next really broke me. You never saw The Seventh Son, did you? I never did. Though That I would watch. She plays a witch. What am I going to do? Not watch that movie? Right. I'm going to watch it eventually. Um, I did uh, my guest spot on the mixed reviews, I think around the time Gloria Bell opened nice. on Julianne Moore. So go listen to our friends on the mixed reviews when yes. I talked about it. Uh, Julianne Moore. Yeah, we just had a very fun time on screen drafts with our friends Gavin and Louie, and uh, a good a good raucous time was had by all for five hours, five and a half hours. Listen, we yeah. don't have to talk about how long this episode is. We don't have to apologize <laughs> for the length of this episode. That's true. If you listen to us on screen drafts, you're you're going to have a good time, That's but true. a long time. So I want to talk about the reception to this movie and how it was affected by the the existence of the 2013 Gloria. Uh, that movie was 
a, you know, it was a movie out of South America. It played a lot of the festivals and it did very well. It opened in the States. Like, it definitely, like, it played in the States. Paulina mm-hmm. Garcia sort of famously and kind of, I believe, if my recollection is correct, kind of unexpectedly won the Best Actress Award at the Berlin Film Festival. Or at the very least, like, going into the festival, the movie didn't really have a ton of expectation. And then it really impressed the folks at Berlin. She very much deservedly uh, wins Best Actress there. And so... I think the love for that movie, there was a sense in my mind in the initial reviews of Gloria Bell at the, uh, at least at TIFF and when it played the festivals, there was a ceiling on how effusive I think people wanted to be be Mm -hmm. out of a a sense of reverence for both the original Gloria, but particularly for Paulina Garcia. Because like, you're not going to offend Sebastian Lelio by liking the new one better than the old one because he's doing them both. But I think there was a sense of... Nobody wants to be like, Julianne Moore blows Paulina Garcia out of the water, yada, yada, yada. And, like, I don't think how great Gloria Bell is is any slight against Paulina Garcia at all. But I think there was a, like I said, a little bit of a reticence to, um, out of a little bit of a loyalty to Paulina Garcia. Right. And I, A, I don't know if you felt that way, but B, my suggestion to solving that would have been if we'd have just gotten her a nomination for Little Men in 2016 like she deserved for Best Thank Supporting Actress. You. And then we wouldn't have to worry about feeling bad at all. <laughs> Say that, sir. She's That movie rules, and she's, she rules in it. We um, love Iris Axe on this podcast. Wh- I don't know. How do you feel about that being my sense of, of what the initial reactions? Because I think after a while, when it ended up opening in 2019, I think the reviews were a little a little freer to be more effusive. Yes, I agree. Um, I mean, I think, yes, it kind of, it, it kind of like metastasized around, you know, we don't want to slight Paulina Garcia. Um, people did more to slight Paulina Garcia for not voting for her for little men. Yeah. Let's also say that. Um, but it's also that, you know, we've been burned by how many, English language remakes of non-English language films, sure. especially recent to when they came out. Like there's five years or something between Gloria and Gloria Bell. Yeah. Um, yes. Right. We've been burned so many times. And I think like that lowered people's expectations for it, not just lowered their expectations, but lowered just interest um well it takes away a little bit of a goodwill too i don't think there was ill will towards gloria bell but i do feel like again it just felt like there was a ceiling on how effusive people were willing to be because you know it's the prospect of it didn't seem very uh exciting the idea but that kind of milk toastiness especially premiering at a a festival like Toronto where it's like you're competing with a lot of other world premieres for people's attention and people's interest right and it makes it very easy for it to be like okay it's an English language remake of something we already liked you know it contributes to that air of ho-humness on the ground and you know leading up to it too so I do agree with you that like that's the atmosphere that the movie came into because like we were probably the people most excited at that tip to see this movie. Well, and even I, I remember thinking 
going into that, I also had the thought of like, well, it's not like it can improve upon the original because I loved the original so right. much. And so even I had that, you know, sense of like, you know, all right, how how blown away am I really going to be? I already know what this is. And again, I was mostly going into it with that anxiety about how they were going to end it. Um, but the other thing is, A24 releases this one in the spring of 2019. So already, if you release it in March, you're giving already sort of giving away the game that this is not your uh, your awards contender. And A24 had been doing great in you know in the awards conversation up until then. 2018, what was their big 2018 Oscar stuff? They had gotten at least the screenplay nomination for First Reform. They were not able to get nominations for... They were also able to get a screenplay nomination for Eighth Grade. And they got the those screenplay nominations also for movies that were released earlier in the year, too. Yeah. So... Uh, it, it showed that they can like still maintain enthusiasm for early year release movies. But I think it was also that in 2018, it felt like, okay, well, why aren't they, it would be a fast turnaround from picking it up at Toronto because they didn't produce sure. this. They, they picked up for distribution out of the festival. Right. I remember there being a question of this isn't a great Globes comedy year. Why aren't they trying to push this for Globes comedy this year? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not a bad discussion. The thing that I think is interesting about A24 is you look at their 2019 output and which ones they put, they pushed for awards. They didn't have, this was another one where they didn't have a great, showing at the Oscars. But I think it's interesting in terms of what movies they were clearly pushing and their priorities that year were pretty clearly The Farewell, Uncut Gems, and The Lighthouse. And it's weird that The Lighthouse Mm -hmm. is actually the one that gets the Oscar nomination. Um, But, because I don't believe Uncut Gems got anything, right? No. But they were really pushing for a Sandler nomination for Uncut Gems. They were really pushing for multiple nominations for The Farewell. They get the Golden Globe Award for Aquafina, And um, and then The Lighthouse ultimately gets the cinematography nomination. But in addition to all of those, there were sort of smaller pushes. It seemed like they were they were testing the waters, no pun intended, on Waves to see if Waves was going to be a movie that got the kind of, you know the kind of reviews that would allow them to make a run for best picture. And ultimately that was not the case. It was too divisive. Um, there was a weird and it, waves had diminishing responses to yeah. when it came to like, after it's festival first festival premiere at right. Tell ride and then Toronto, like there was drop off each yeah. time yes. as it got closer to opening. Yes. Um, they were still at this point sort of feeling out how to, to promote Ari Aster movies for awards with Midsommar, right, coming right after Hereditary. Credit to A24 for not sort of, for at least, like, they were doing, you know, uh, awards promo screenings for Hereditary. I know because I got invited to one. They were doing, you know, awards promo stuff for Midsommar, even though you look at that and you're just like... Oscar voters are not going to go for that. And right. um but good credit to A24 for keeping 
their foot on the gas on that anyway. They also had movies like The Souvenir and Last Black Man in San Francisco. And a lot of these things were stuff that ultimately felt like minor key Oscar push, but like they were pushing for things like Indie Spirit Awards and and whatever. Mm -hmm. And so Gloria Bell was prioritized below even that level of movies. And it just felt like A24 had a lot of movies on the same sort of mid-tier level that was really making very, very little room for something like Gloria Bell, which, I mean, flip a switch and, you know, get somebody at that company who was really behind Gloria Bell, and you could have seen somebody, you know, you could have seen them make a similar kind of push for that like they did for, you know, uh, The Souvenir or or The Lighthouse or something like that. It was a weird fit. A24 is a weird fit for this movie. What would have been, what, what's your, is this a focus movie? I was going to say, I mean, yeah. Baby, yeah. our beloved Focus Features. Yeah. This feels like a Focus movie. Maybe that's why we loved it so much. Um, <laughs> not to say that I don't love A24, but you're right. Like, the vibe does feel a little bit different. I mean, they probably thought, especially if they planned it for the spring, that they could get some money. It. I'm surprised, considering how wide of a release it was, that it didn't make more money. Yeah. Because I remember it, like, just kind of being released to a pretty like quiet spring you know like there wasn't much competition i'm even gonna point the finger at our own community a little bit like gay guys could have been more behind this movie i'm gonna say we were some people were people we know were but not enough yeah as far as was julianne Moore promoting it wouldn't have been this but i almost thought it might have been this when she went on watch what happens live and talked about can you ever forgive me oh well let's see maybe she was promoting this because i guess can you forever forgive me would have just had its oscar run maybe yeah yeah i don't know anything else she wouldn't have been promoting bel canto or after the wedding those were much later in 2019 (laughs) um yeah i don't know it must have it it must have been i mean i could also see them just sort of like you know you know, maybe you just want Julianne Moore on the on the show and she agreed. I don't know. But it's more likely that she was promoting this movie. So, yeah. Um, yeah. She gets the AARP M4G's Best Actress nomination. Which This actress lineup is, I mean... It's kind of amazing. Mwah. It's kind of amazing. Chef's kiss. And it's kind of, uh, so, like, it's weird that, like, AARP M4G's don't always cross over with the Oscars in terms of winners. But this one it does. Renee Zellweger does win the award for Judy. But the other nominees, besides Julianne Moore in Gloria Bell, are pretty great. Alfrey Woodard for Clemency. We screamed that whole award season about mm-hmm. somebody, for God's sake, nominate Alfrey Woodard for Clemency. She's so good. Speaking of movies we see at TIFF towards the end oh. where we're like, we have nothing left to That give. was our very <laughs> last movie that year. And we were tapped out that's the last movie i've seen at tiff i have not seen a movie at tiff since then that's true did i i might have seen something after that i don't think i did i don't think you did crazy yeah we were toast we were done (sighs) yeah um helen mirren for the good liar a perfect m for g's nomination nobody else was going to nominate her she maybe like maybe that's the only place that it would have that made perfect sense they do love helen mirren and then a movie that I still haven't seen, speaking of, of Ira Sachs, I still have not seen Frankie, but this is your best friend, Isabelle Huppert, got nominated I for mean, Frankie. this is a movie that I feel like 
I only I support this movie. Um, uh, I I do really like. I will see Frankie it at some point. It's, it's just it. The talk about a movie that got muted reception at Cannes and really killed, or at, at, at TIFF rather, and really killed. Although also at Cannes, right? Uh, it did. I think the Cannes reception to that movie is what kind of killed that movie because it was not received positively. I feel like it just also just like very like nobody talked about it at all. Well, it's yeah, Sony Classics didn't do right by that movie. Yeah. They kind of dumped it. Um it I mean, it's a very low-key movie. It's the type of thing that like you know, not like Gloria Bell, but like in the way that like there it's so low key that you can kind of zero in on some of the nuances of it. Sure. Also a movie with an incredible final shot. Um I do love that. I don't know. I feel like people are unfair to that movie and some of the criticisms they make. Um Well, you'll be the first person I text after I watch it. So uh well, I'll let you know. Please do. All right. She also, Julianne Moore also got the Golden Satellite nomination for Best Actress in Comedy. You know a movie did not get very many precursors when we are forced to talk about the Golden Satellites within our uh, <laughs> The our Golden purview. Satellites who famously have been busted for, like, no one ever cared about the Golden Satellites. Sure but didn't. I remember when they were busted for, like, nominating a movie that they didn't see. <laughs> yeah. Well, in this case, Aquafina won Best Actress in a Comedy or Musical for The Farewell. Julianne was nominated alongside Ana de Armas in Knives Out and Constance Wu in Hustlers, which is uh, one of the few, I think, outlets that singled out Constance Wu in Hustlers, even though she's very good. But, like, all of the heat went to We'll get into it. Have you seen Halftime? Jennifer Lopez Halftime, by the way? Not yet, no. A, get on that. And B, that is a movie that really really is going to reignite how pissed off you are about Jennifer Lopez not getting nominated for Hustlers. It really Is it on the platform yet or have yeah. you watched the screener? No. Okay. I well, I watched the screener but it's I they sent me the screener the day before it premiered. I hate saying the S word. People are It's like, a reality, Chris. People know that we get screeners. It's a reality, but there is nothing more fucking annoying than when you like and like we all know that you people watch things on screeners. We know. We get it. It's fine. But I don't need to see people tweeting things like, you know, my watermark on my screener of this movie, which I watched on a screener, is such a wa- large watermark for this screener. Like normally screeners are have less watermark of like the they'll say screener a million times just so you know that they are watching it on a screener. I don't know. They have, like, Listen. If if we know you watched it on a screener, just talk about the movie. If Twitter can't be a place where you go to complain about your job, then like where else? And like that's where everybody I know who has the same job that I do is. So that's where I'm going to go complain <laughs> well, about no, my job. I use the and... watermark thing as an example, but like people will just come out and tell you they watch something on a screener yeah. superfluously. It doesn't like I am people. Th- I am that. It is me. <laughs> yes, I am that. Um, but like, if you're talking about halftime, you're going to say halftime is great. I had a wonderful time. The J Lo Oscar stuff that's in it is amazing. Blah, blah blah blah. All of that is true. Why do you need to say? Just watch the screener of halftime, which I blah 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 blah. Well, Just I think talk about what you think about the movie because I People think. Know. I don't know that I don't, they got people rushing to find out where they can watch it, and if I say it's a screener, they know it's it's not out yet. Um, and I will complain about the fact that they waited until 
less than 24 hours before the movie opened, before they sent me the screener. So I was like, great, I have a whole review to write, and I will write it uh, on the fly. But anyway, halftime is fantastic. It will make you furious about... It will first make you furious about the Hustler snub, and then it will make you, if you're anything like me, move to tears watching her rehearse for On the Floor at the halftime show. So um, <laughs> both of those things happen in the span Listen, of one documentary. The, the Hustler snub rage, the epitome of, I don't get ready, I stay ready, I live in that fury, baby. All right. It's not like, you're the second person to say this to me, by the way. It's not like I wasn't fired up about the snub. All I'm saying is, it remi- it will it will galvanize you all the further. I am not it here. It wouldn't be the 200th episode. It wouldn't be a momentous occasion if we didn't argue about something. That's true. All right. Uh, anything else? Speak, uh, speaking of 200th episode, we have one more little uh, uh, extravaganza to throw out here before this episode ends. But before we do that, is there anything else we want to say about Gloria Bell to sort of close out this? Uh, I'm, I'm going through my notes. We really have kind of gone. My ho- My one note that I wrote at the very end is like, this is why you play 80s music at your wedding, children, is because maybe <laughs> there's a middle-aged woman in, the, in attendance who is looking to self-actualize and will do it to the strains of Laura Branigan. And that is why you play the greatest hits of the 80s alongside, you know, whatever, you know, new music, pop stand bullshit you want to do. Um, oh my god, we haven't talked about the marionette scene, which is such a wonderful little, like, short film within this thing. Um, I recently used uh, the screen cap of her watch it, looking at the marionette as one of my reading your tweets tweets. It's, it's, what a perfect shot. She just sort of gets down to eye level with this little marionette, ostensibly to just sort of drop a dollar into the hat or whatever. But it's like she's really seeing this <laughs> creature, and it's just sort of, it's, it's, it's akin to to Francis McDormand looking at the deer in Three Billboards, except I think far more for profound, where she's just like, <laughs> I hear you. I, I, would I hear you, little skeleton marionette. What did you say? I would definitely agree that Gloria Bell looking at the marionette is way more profound than uh, but Francis it's, McDormand staring at that deer. But it's the same sort of artistic impulse where it's just sort of like human person, non-human entity, finding, staring into each other's eyes and making a connection as far as I'm concerned. Or in this case, staring into the uh, skull sockets of where eyes would be uh, if it was not a skeleton. Um, the other thing that uh, I wrote down, and this was only from like reading the credits... Uh, Tyson Ritter from All American Rejects played the the mentally disturbed neighbor upstairs, who I guess we don't really ever see, but uh, we hear him yelling and whatever. Um, right. Good for you, Tyson Ritter. Like good, good, uh, good gig there. We already mentioned it, but it bears repeating: Gene Triplehorn vapes in this movie. <laughs> we have, um, but yeah. Julianne Moore. Um, if she's gonna do one thing. She's gonna give you iconic parking garage acting. Sure, yeah. Um, between this and safe, like no one, no one else is bringing it to the parking garage the way that she does. Um, it's true. What does she say to him? Grow a pair. Something. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> uh, the German tra- title for this movie translates to Gloria: colon, Life doesn't wait. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> That's not a bad title. Gloria Bell, Money Never Sleeps. What else? What other? Uh, <laughs> what other subtitles? Gloria Bell, uh, Retribution. I don't know. Yeah. 
Sebastian Retribution Lelio actually would work. So yeah. had that like I mentioned earlier, he was on a real tear. It's like this disobedience, a fantastic woman. Yes, all kind of disobedience and a fantastic woman played at the same tiff, and then the very next year was Gloria Bell. That's pretty good. Yes. It's it's a it's like kind of this stretch and then it's like you can't get away from the guy and then he's gone and now he's coming back this year with the wonder. I hope we make more to the wonder to the wall jokes. Obviously we will. The but, fact that he had two movies uh in Fantastic Fantastic Women and Disobedience, two movies at the same 2017 tiff that I saw Call Me By Your Name for the first time did mean, unfortunately, <laughs> that I made a tweet that said Lelio, Lelio, Lelio as I walk into my second of two Sebastian Lelio movies. Um, Yeah, that's why Disobedience definitely. We could talk about Disobedience in the future. Yeah, great movie. I, I mean, it. I think that movie kind of hits a ceiling uh, quality-wise, sure. but like it stays there. Yes. Um, Rachel McAdams is fantastic. Yes, Um. Is. I mean, come on. They're, also, they spit in each other's mouth. Disobedience is, I mean, we've talked before about, like, you know, uh, iconic Rachel Weiss being uh, lusted after by lesbians moments, which, like, yes. disobedience is the actual apex of that. So, um, uh, I know that this is not true, but it does feel, feel spiritually true that, like, Rachel Weiss wears, like, her full wool coat and scarf during that sex scene. <laughs> Like, remember forever, the only stills of those movies that were available was, like, Rachel Weisz in a mountain of scarf. It's true. Yes. She looked great. And, like, that that movie gives you so much Rachel Weisz scarf. Listen. It's it's wonderful. It's it's inspirational. Okay, so. The thing about his upcoming movie, though, because it's with Netflix, and you can already tell Mm. that it's going to be the, like, passing, the... Uh, the like private life. It's probably already primed to be their fourth or fifth priority. Um, it is Florence but Pugh. Hopefully though. It's great. People do love Florence Pugh a lot. So Florence Pugh in a psychological thriller directed by Sebastian Lelio. Like, sign me up. I'm in. It's an Emma Donahue book, which has me a little curious. Emma Donahue, the writer of the novel uh, Room. That uh, that turned into the Best Picture nominee room. So, yeah, great cast: uh, Karen Hines, Tom Burke, Toby Jones, Brian F. O'Byrne is in it. Um, yeah, I could be wrong, and the movie could be incredible, and it could be their top priority. But I, I get what you mean about priority, and yet also, well, Netflix makes it so evident what they're putting their effort behind. But I mean, lots of studios do that. So I can't. I can only get so. It it it's annoying. No matter who does it, as far as I'm concerned, um, I'm just excited for the movie. That's what I'm gonna. I'm going to place everything else aside and just be excited for the movie. So, uh, Chris, we have one more uh, little uh, goop and gag and stunt for uh, for the listeners. Although, if you've listened to any of our um, milestone episodes before, we've done this before. But why don't you explain what we're going to do with our uh, uh, superlatives for our episodes 151 to 200. To cap every, like you said, milestone episodes, which also effectively becomes a look back at the past year of the podcast, right, right. we do the past year of the podcast in 
basically a year-end superlative type of thing. We're going to give our best picture, we're going to give our acting nominees, any random uh, awards we want to throw out otherwise. But the gag this year, as promised on a recent episode, we are doing, much like the Blockbuster Entertainment Awards, six supporting actress categories. We made this foolish promise at some point... During the Ransom episode, I believe. And now we have to put our money where our mouth is, also like what happens in the movie Ransom. So, um, yes, we're going to give you our nominees for Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, and then six different Supporting Actress categories, all chosen from the films that we have covered from uh, episode 151, which was, I believe, Lucy in the Sky, if I am not mistaken. Uh, Lucy yes. in the Sky, which was uh, June of last year. So yes, everything from June of last year until now is eligible. Chris, do we want to start with the supporting actresses or end with the supporting actresses? Let's end with the supporting actresses. Let's do Best Picture first. Ooh, okay. Did you do a top 10 or a top 5? I have a top. Do you want me to cut it to 5? Nope, I've got a top 10. Okay, let's do top ten. All right. my Start us off. Give my, us your top ten. My top ten of the past year of this head Oscar buzz are as follows. In alphabetical order. Gloria Bell, Hustlers, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, Love and Friendship, Margaret, Never Let Me Go, Panic Room, The Pelican Brief, Suspiria, and To Die For. Fantastic. Give me two seconds to put mine in alphabetical order. Okay. <laughs> Don't you ever just look at letters and think, you know, this would be easier if they were numbers. Did you get high before we uh, before we did this? I did not. <laughs> take a little. No, uh, I am not. Take a little microdose. Um, take a little uh, whatever those mushrooms that Danny Roberts was doing on, uh, on Real World Homecoming. Yeah. <laughs> While we wait, I will perform a marionette uh, uh, performance of what's the Olivia Newton-John song in this movie that I really loved? A little more love. A little more love. I do also love God. Air Supply was such a perfectly chosen song for that. Like that's that is definitely a song you all unselfconsciously sing uh, in your car. If not all out of love, which is the song that she does, then at least making love out of nothing at all, which is a perfect singing it in the car song. Okay, I have it alphabetized. All right. We can cut this out. Okay. How dare you my t- cut out my my musings on on car singing? How dare? All right. It's a it's a nice little uh, post-credit scene maybe. <laughs> my top 10 in alphabetical order. The motion picture Birth, The Counselor, Gloria Bell, Holy Smoke, The House of Mirth, Hustlers, Margaret, Margot at the Wedding, and A Most Violent Year. So our overlaps are only Gloria Bell and Hustlers and Margaret. I mean that not that's, that's pretty the cool. Vibe. That's pretty cool. That's a good vibe. I like that. I like I like uh, uh, variety. Okay, <laughs> uh, you can lead us off with your choices for Best Supporting Actor. Best Supporting Actor. Okay, hold on one second. Had to move the little Skype icon. My Best Supporting Actor, Ballot. Tom Bennett for Love and Friendship. Chris Cooper, October Sky. 
Willem Dafoe, The Life Aquatic with Steve Sassou, David Strathairn, The River Wild, and Eli Wallach in The Holiday. You pulled the trigger on Eli Wallach in The Holiday. Amazing. Amazing. What a wonderful man. Ugh. I mean, if you were Kate Winslet, you would probably fall in love with him, too. I would. Okay. All right. My picks are as follows. Tom Bennett in Love and Friendship. Willem Dafoe in The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Andrew Garfield in Never Let Me Go. John Turturro in Gloria Bell. And Forrest Whitaker in Panic Room. Fantastic. We'll get into the Forrest Whitaker. I cut out Kevin Bacon in The River Wild at the end, but I was also thinking of Strathairn. But I was like, Chris is going to do Strathairn, so I don't know. I, listen, I almost put Dwight Dwight Yoakam (laughs) from Panic Room. Sure. But I was like, the, the Garys will not let me live down so we we overlapped there on tom bennett and willem dafoe i i almost let you have willem dafoe all to yourself but he's quite funny in the life aquatic and i think you you and our discussion sort of sold him to me even more so who's your winner of those i mean it's gotta be tom bennett in love and friendship he's just perfect he's just so perfect in that he is indeed perfect, and I'm glad you picked him because I was a little torn, but I'm going with Willem Dafoe. Yeah, Dafoe's pretty great. I love that those are our top ones, too, the ones we had in common. Um, although I almost... Uh, Wynn could have gone to Andrew Garfield. He's on the on the cusp of being a lead, but like Carrie Mulligan's kind of the only real lead. She's the... I agree. Um, Garfield's so good in that one scene. The 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 yelling in the in the um, outside the car scene. He's so good. All right, okay. Let's do best actor. All right, I will lead off with best actor. Not a deep bench. No, my I had five. I had a clean five for this one. I had Hugh Grant in Notting Hill, Oscar Isaac in A Most Violent Year, Bill Murray in The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, Al Pacino in Danny Collins, and Denzel Washington in The Pelican Brief. All right. Uh, not the same overlap. Oh, okay. Though, uh, the bench, all everything you mentioned would have been on my bench. Okay. Uh, I have Leonardo DiCaprio, Shutter Island. Sure, sure. Jake Gyllenhaal, Moonlight Mile. Good pick. Oscar Isaac, A Most Violent Year. Yep. Al Pacino in Daniel Collins. Sure. And uh, Forrest Whitaker in Panic Room. Oh, you have Whitaker as a lead. That's that's defensible. I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think he's a lead of the movie. All right. Would not be a year-end superlative for us if not for a disagreement on lead versus support categorization. <laughs> Who is your winner? Uh, I, 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 I do have to say I am tempted to do the thing but my winner is oscar isaac i think i'm gonna do the thing do the thing do it al pacino danny collins is my winner i there was no single movie that surprised me more this year on this podcast than danny Collins. i will watch danny collins again i will too at some point yes i absolutely will i will maybe show it to watch danny collins and tiff oh we like anybody if you are listening to this and you are going to be attending tiff and you are our friend um, we're not we're not going to throw this out to like strangers, but like if you know us and you are going to Tiff, reach out. Let's do a group viewing of Danny Collins. It'll be fun. I do think if we do live shows ever, the movie might have mm. to be Danny Collins. 
I mean, hey, baby doll, sing along. How can we resist? Truly. Right. Exactly. Ah, he's so fun in that movie. I love him so much. Okay. All right. Why don't you lead us off with best actress? I'm glad I'm leading this off because I forget if we've had this discussion in previous years, but I'm going off of Oscar rules in that I cannot same. Same actress in multiple roles. I agree. You can't. Correct. You have to pick one Nicole Kidman. I know there are many. There are three. Listen, I, think. I yeah. If Chris File's going to have something, Chris File's going to have a plan. I have a plan. All right, third person, we'll go get off. There. Uh, my best actress ballot. Yes. Gillian Anderson, The House of Mirth. Mm-hmm. Kate Beckinsale, Love and Friendship. Purely because someone had to do it. And here I am, years later, I'll do it. Uh, Nicole Kidman, In Birth, Anna Paquin, Margaret, and Kate Winslet, Holy Smoke. We overlap four of five, sort of. We don't have the same Kidman. Um, but actresses, we have four of the five same actresses. I It hurt me to not have Gillian Anderson on mine, because I think she's phenomenal in House, uh, House of Mirth. Uh, also, very close cuts for Julianne Moore and Gloria Bell and Emma, Emma Stone in Battle of the Sexes. My five were Kate Beckinsale, Love and Friendship. I had Nicole Kidman for To Die For. Anna Paquin in Margaret. Kate Winslet in Holy Smoke. And because I am me and I could not resist, Meryl Streep in The River Wild. <laughs> She is going to turn that raft around. She is going to get us down the river and she's going to do it with a cackling smile on her face. So, yes. Also very close for me. I think probably because, again, no one else did it. So here I wanted to be to do it for her. Uh, Sad for... Woo and Hustlers. Oh, very good. You and the Golden Satellites. My sixth place. Uh, Nicole Kidman in, in Margo at the Wedding was the third uh, possible Nicole Kidman. Truly, we we went heavy on the A-plus Nicole performances this year. If we had a third host, we could have all we could have. Know, yeah. agreed we would vote for a different one. That's true. I knew, I knew you were going to go with birth with an outside shot at Margaret, so I figured I had to die for all to myself. So I almost pulled it for Margo just to be like, you know... Birth has so many people saying it's Nicole Kidman's best performance. And this rewatch of Margot, like, really, you know, kind of creeped it up there for me. Um, but I just decided to go with Birth. Another, I'll put this out there as a twofer yes. that almost, they both almost made my list, was Best Actress, Best Actor, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal and James Spader for Secretary. Sure, sure. Yeah, two very good performances. All right, so we have six supporting actress categories for your nerves. Where do we want to announce them all, or do we want to wait till we get to the category? Let's wait till we get to them. I will propose. First of all, did you have a rule that you gave yourself? I can't remember whether we codified this or not. That uh, no performance can be in more than one category. I didn't do that. Okay, you have some it, overlap. It proved okay. to be too difficult and like i could have had a supporting actress lineup itself of like 10 performances and several that got cut that i really did not want to cut yeah and i just 
did. I self-imposed this rule just so I could have a bigger spread of, uh, of, <laughs> of nominees. I mean, I, I, I could have, I should have, but like, there, it poses some difficulties in the categories we've had, which our listeners will receive shortly. I'm going to ask you to trust me in the order that we're going to read these in. That that uh, <laughs> that that I'll uh, that I'll choose. I presume you also have a plan, and there is a big finish coming. Yes. So yeah, let's do it. All right, then I'm going to start with just regular, regular, uh, best supporting actress. Best supporting actress. Period. Period. Yes. Ah, uh, who do you have? Okay, my best supporting actress ballot. Keeping in mind, this was very painful for me. Uh huh. Don't get mad at things that are not there. Yep. I'm madder about other things than. Okay. Other anyway. anyway. My best supporting actress period ballot. Jeannie Berlin, Margaret. Sure. Jessica Chastain. A Most Violent Year. Yes. Ileana Douglas, To Die For. Yes. Anne Heche, In Birth. Yes. And Jennifer Lopez in Hustlers. Yes. Okay. I'm going to throw out the caveat that, again, if somebody is not on this ballot, I have other ballots. I also will say that Anne Heche was a painful sixth place for me. I really, really, really wanted to include her, and I couldn't. Um my, my painful sixth place is included elsewhere. Okay. And like is unimpeachably included elsewhere. But my tell me yours five. and then we can talk about our other placements. Hong Chow in Downsizing. Ileana Douglas in To Die For. I love that we both have her. Jennifer Jason Lee in Margot at the Wedding. Laura Linney in The House of Mirth. And Jennifer Lopez in Hustlers. My winner is Jennifer Lopez in Hustlers. My Gen- um, Jennifer Lopez is also my winner. Yeah. My sixth place was Kiki Palmer in Hustlers. Very good. She's great. And like tie for seventh. Yeah, I know where uh, you have Kiki Palmer. All right, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. All right. J. Smith Cameron in Margaret, Jennifer Jason Lee in Margot at the Wedding. Also, interesting, we have different House of Mirth picks because Eleanor Braun was on, was close to making mine. Also great. I mean, I'm not going to not pick Laura Linney, but I get you. I get you. Right, right, All right. right, right. Our second supporting actress category is best supporting actress in a cameo performance. Who do you have? Or no, I'll go first because you went first last time. All right. Now, we are defining, we were left to our own devices to define cameo. I defined it as one scene or fewer. So uh, we'll see how it goes. By fewer, I mean, like, you know, whatever, like, you're passing through or whatever. Like, no, no more than one scene. I have Patricia Clarkson in Shutter Island, Laura Dern in Downsizing, <laughs> Niecy Nash in Downsizing, Jean Triplehorn in Gloria Bell, and Eliza Coleman, a.k.a. Female Pursuer with Gun from The Pelican Brief. A performance of uncommon uh, physical prowess. What are your cameos? Best supporting actress in a cameo. Cardi B, Hustlers. Very good. Robin Bartlett, Shutter Island. Oh, very good. Yeah. Natalie Cole in De Lovely. Wow. <laughs> 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 listen her version of that song is uh, the best i'm not listen you you do you i love this i love that pick 
Allison Janney, Margaret, uh-huh. and Nisi Nash and Downsizing. All right, so we we overlap on Nisi Nash and Downsizing. Very. Good. I also felt that I I pulled the trigger on Robin Bartlett and Shutter Island because there's always inevitably when we record an episode the second that i stop the my recording i'm like shit i didn't talk about this uh-huh. and robin bartlett's one scene yeah she's wonderful in shutter island is so good i got to see robin bartlett play um, um mother pit uh, mother pit and also um and the various attending other roles that mother pit plays in angels in america on or uh, off broadway several years ago and she was fantastic i loved her I believe it. All right. Who's your winner? My winner of the cameos? I mean, it's the heftiest role, so it feels a little unfair, but like Patricia Clarkson in Shutter Island, which is just on the edge of being too big of a role, but it really is just the one scene. So I'm, I'm, I'm counting it. My winner is Allison Janney. Uh, well, uh, there's a reason why I have not picked uh, Allison Janney. Or Janney. I, I, I am positive. All right. Um... Best Supporting Actress, Hair and Makeup. Best Supporting Actress, Hair and Makeup? You're going to lead this one off. All right. So wait, to, chose... to, to describe, this is the actress who performed the best via notable hair, hair and, and makeup, makeup choices. Yes. Mm-hmm. Correct. All right. Uh, Gillian Anderson, The Mighty. Jessica Chastain, A Most Violent Year. Fanula Flanagan, Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood, Angelica Houston, The Life Aquatic with Steve Sassou, and Sarah Silverman, Battle of the Sexes. Angelica Houston for The Life Aquatic with Steve Sassou also made, almost made my cameo uh, list. But um, she's in several scenes. She is. That's why I ultimately cut her off. But like, she's such a small, like, minor presence in that. Like, it's it's kind of too bad. Um, I almost picked. Well, no, we'll say your ballot, and then we'll say what we almost Okay, have. I will say we overlap on two, which I, I adore. Because I was like, I don't know where Chris is going to go with this. And I was, all right. Anyway, I also had Gillian Anderson in The Mighty. Uh, phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal hair and makeup work. Just speaking volume. The best neck brace acting <laughs> you have ever seen. <laughs> That's true. We're, we're including hair, makeup, and also uh, accessories. So, uh, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, neck brace works. Cameron Diaz and the Counselor, again, uh, hair and makeup to make her look like a uh, cheetah from Barbados. Um, <laughs> I also had Sarah Silverman in Battle of the Sexes. I love that you had her. Like, A+. Plus so we overlap plus. on three. Wait. Oh, you had Cameron Diaz? No. We overlap. Oh, no, wait. You didn't say one. Yeah. Gillian Anderson, Sarah Silverman are two overlaps. Oh, okay. Uh, I also had Sharon Stone in The Mighty, another wig a wig forward performance from Sharon. And I had Tilda Swinton in Suspiria for lots of hair and makeup choices across a broad <laughs> spectrum of, uh, of character choices. So I was a little, I was a little uh, torn as to whether or not Tilda is supporting in that movie. I, so Tilda did not make. I think lists. Dakota's your lead in that movie, and everything else falls from. But there. there's so much of Tilda. There like is the Let's Ever Store. I almost, I almost was a dick and put Let's Ever Store in supporting as actor. My best supporting actor. Yeah, I almost did too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I almost, I next. almost uh, picked Cameron Diaz though, and I almost picked Mia Goth. 
Yeah, Mia Goth was a runner-up in my regular degular supporting actress. Uh, I thought she was great. Okay, best supporting actress's character's name. So this is just the name of the character played by the supporting actress in the movie, and and we used our own rubric as to what made what constituted excellence in this field. Um, I go first, I guess, in this one. I have Finola Flanagan as Teensy in Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood. Cherry Jones as Buggy in Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood. <laughs> Shirley MacLaine as Catherine Richelieu in Rumor Has It. I had no idea that was her sure. last name until I looked it up, and I am delighted. Chloe Grace Moretz as Patricia Hingle in Suspiria. Just an odd name for that character. I'll never get over it. Patricia Hingle. Uh, also sounds plausibly like the name of somebody who tried to kill President Ford back in the 1970s, which uh, feels almost oddly appropriate to the film's theme. And finally, Susan Sarandon as Jojo Floss in Moonlight Mile, an A-plus screenwriting <laughs> choice as far as I'm concerned. Okay, so I didn't write the actresses down except for one because you, the character name, you have to read it as the full screen credit i will absolutely be screenshotting it and okay. tweeting it at some point okay um is it an okay. and no okay divine secrets of the yaya sisterhood teensy sure divine secrets of the yaya sisterhood nisi sure divine secrets of the yaya sisterhood buggy yes love and friendship Catherine de courcy vernon that's a great one Catherine de courcy vernon <laughs> is a phenomenal name yeah <laughs> And from Hustlers, Mercedes Rule as Mother. Mother, that's such a good one. God damn it, that's such a good one. <laughs> I mean, I know that's right. Mercedes Rule as Mother. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Ah, there's always one that you choose that I'm like, I wish I had chose it. Um, uh, Nisi, by the way, in Divine Series of the Aya Sisterhood is, I believe, Shirley Knight. So, um, cool. Uh, just to throw that out there. Okay. My winner is Mercedes Rula's mother. I mean, sure. How can you how can you beat that? Mine is Susan Sarandon as Jojo Floss. I'm so in, I'm so enamored with that name. What an odd what an odd choice for that movie specifically. Um, I don't know. I love it. I adore it. Okay. Next category is best supporting actress all from a single movie. So we had to pick five performances AKA best supporting actress ensemble. Just the supporting actress ensemble. Yes, except. It's not all the supporting actresses in the movie. It is a, a set of five. It is, we are choosing five. That you have not mentioned. Distinct performances from a single movie. I have done this all from a movie, that, all from performances they have not mentioned in anywhere else. So, you are up first in this one, Chris. All right. Uh, best supporting actress ensemble slash best supporting actresses in one movie. Battle of the Sexes. Gloria Bell, The House of Mirth, Hustlers, and Suspiria. Okay, we did this very, very differently. (laughs) When we talked this out, I thought we were on the same page, and we are not. So you chose five separate movies that had... Oh, you have to do one movie? Oh, well, then I have this. I have five women from one movie in one category. Fabulous. Okay, so my nominees in supporting actress from a single movie are Hina Abdullah in Margaret, Jeannie Berlin in Margaret, Rosemary DeWitt in Margaret, 
Alice and Janney in Margaret, and J. Smith Cameron in Margaret. Beautiful. All right. Then I will do Kiki Palmer in Hustlers, Mm -hmm. Cardi B in Hustlers, Uh Madeline Brewer in Hustlers. How many is that? That's three? Three. That's three. Okay. Uh, Is that three? Was that four? No, that was three. Wai Ching Ho in Hustlers, who almost got my cameo vote. And Jennifer Lopez in Hustlers. That's a good five. And again, there were many more. You could have also done Mercedes Rule. You could have also done, um, I can never remember Riverdale Girl's name. Um, uh, Lily. Lily Reinhardt. Lily Reinhardt, thank you. Um, no slight to her when I said Riverdale you Girl. Could do, you could do like multiple lineups yeah. of yeah. five people. Yeah, and not overlap. Throw Lizzo in there. Throw, uh, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of people you could throw in there. All right. Very, very good. I approve of both of these ours. And finally, our final supporting actress category is best line reading by a supporting actress in a film from we've uh, we've covered in the last year. I had many contenders. I had to leave off a couple that I was pained to leave off, but I am very confident in the five that I have chosen. You were maybe in spreading the love ending on this one really looks like i'm not spreading the love okay because my lineup will have performances we've already talked about okay i this except for one i i held some in reserve all of the women here i did not choose in other categories and in some ways it it hurts me too but uh here we are all right i lead off this one i think i lead off this one all right Sure. My nominees are Lauren Bacall in Birth for the line, I never liked Sean. I never liked Sean. Ellen Burstyn in Lucy in the Sky for the line, All That Astronaut Dick Has Made You Soft. I think all this astronaut dick has made you soft. Jessica Chastain in A Most Violent Year for the line, This Was Very Disrespectful. This was very disrespectful. Kira Knightley in Never Let Me Go for the line, We Are Modeled on Trash. We are modeled on trash. And Kiki Palmer in Hustlers for the line, We Love You, Gary. Open your eyes. We love you, Gary. Gary. Can I say the only ones we don't overlap on, (laughs) and we overlap on three, were almost on my list, too. I am wondering if any of, if your other two are my two runners-up, I'm gonna fucking lose it. But okay, let's let's hear it. Okay. I, I do think one of them could be a runner-up for you. Okay. Uh, I ordered these in movie title, not performer. Okay. Uh, so, uh, from birth, Lauren Bacall, I never liked Sean. Perfect. From Hustlers, Kiki Palmer, we love you, Gary. Uh-huh. From Margaret. Jeannie Berlin, This Is Not an Opera. Amazing. Because this is not an opera. What? I said this is not an opera. From A Most Violent Year, Jessica Chastain, This Was Very Disrespectful. Uh And from To Die For, Ileana Douglas, Cold. 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 C-O-L-D. Cold. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's very, like, esoteric. I love that. You managed to to uh, resist the pull of all that astronaut dick has made you soft. I cannot believe it. 
I mean, it it was close. It was close. I thought I wouldn't get the respect for that choice. I would but have. N- I was wrong. I would have I given you endless you. respect. My two runners up that were most uh, that most almost made it were Jenna Malone and Stepmom, and it must be said. And I almost put that too. Lizzo in Hustlers, obviously Usher bitch. Usher bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What were your runners up? What were your what? what, what My runners closest? up were the astronaut dick and we are modeled on trash. Yeah. See ah. the savoring of syllables that Kira Knightley does. We are She's, modeled she, on she deserves trash. It's so good. It's so fucking. We good. are modeled on trash. All right. A great year. A great year a great in this head Oscar buzz. I'm glad we commemorated. Do you have it. any? Uh, do you have any bonus superlatives you would like to throw out? Do you? I definitely do. Oh my god! All right, let's hear it. Obviously, best original song, Hey Baby Doll. Of course. Best cinematography are One Tie, Bradford Young, A Most Violent Year, and Harris Savitas for Birth. Nice, very good. Best LGBTQIA plus cinematography, Natasha Breyer for Gloria Bell. Very good. Best original score. Wait, are you saying that the cinematography was LGBTQIA plus because it was bisexual lighting? I mean, it's not, it's not just the cinematography was in, in fact. Okay. All right. Okay. It is, it is LGBTQIA plus. It is, it is the full spectrum. It is the full spectrum. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other superlatives, the Hilton honors award for best SpawnCon <laughs> cinema, Danny Collins. Perfect. God, Danny Collins secret- is cleaning up. I love it. The Secretariat Prize for a movie I forgot we did an episode about, uh-huh. The Mule. <laughs> nice. Keeping it in the horse family. I like it. I like it. Okay. Exactly. Yep. Best Individual Costume, Ramona's for Coat and Hustlers. Yep. Iconic. Worst Individual Costume, Lutz Ebersdorf, <laughs> The Whole Deal, Suspiria. <laughs> Best Worst Costume, Euro trash Javier Bardem and the counselor. Oh, perfect. Yep. Fantastic. I said I would take care of this. I did. The Cannes 75th anniversary prize <laughs> for this had Oscar Buzz prize for Nicole Kidman. Just Nicole Kidman. Sure. For her various performances that she has done on our show. Yep. Uh, the really good aeronaut prize for being good goes to the dinosaur in The Good Dinosaur. <laughs> Wow, aeronauts really can't buy a victory. That's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Mother Superiorium Prize for doing that goes to Ramona's criminal routine. <laughs> she did that. She did that. The Jeannie Berlin as Emily Prize for saying that. <laughs> she said that. Goes to Julia Roberts for I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy sure. asking him to love her. Perfect. Perfect. Yep. Uh, and those are my superlatives. God, that, that's fantastic, Chris. There's no way. I'm glad I didn't even try with with other superlatives because you uh, you nailed that. Perfect. Well encapsulated for the last year of this at Oscar Buzz. And we're going to go right into our IMDb game to close out the episode because uh, we've been here for a while. Chris, for the 200th time, why don't you explain to our listeners what the IMDb game is? 
Y'all, every episode we end with the IMDb game where we challenge each other to guess the top four titles for an actor or actress that IMDb says they are most known for. If any of those titles are television, voice-only performances, or non-acting credits, we'll mention that up front. After two wrong guesses, we get the remaining titles release years as a clue. If that's not enough, it just becomes a free-for-all of hints. Joe, after... We are done. Yes. I have a proposal for you. Yeah. I have also stacked my own deck in the fully evil choice that I am giving you so that you can be persuaded to uh, yeah. agree with me. Yeah, I think I know where you're proposal. going anyway, but I feel like I've been hearing a lot from uh, this bitch has got something to say, Chris File, what's good? Um <laughs> uh, About all of this, apparently, but I guess we'll get into it after the IMDb game. All right, so Chris, uh, with you having to make some sort of political statement with your IMDb, would you like to go first or last? I would like to go last. All right, I will give first. I chose a actress from the very first This Had Oscar Buzz movie, <gasps> a little movie called Mona Lisa Smile, and an actress whose name is Maggie Gyllenhaal. Maggie G. So, are they all acting credits? Yes. Okay. Um, Lost Daughter Hive, Rise Up. Yes. Um, the Dark Knight. The Dark Knight is one of them. I actually think Mona Lisa Smile. Incorrect. Strike one. Okay. I shouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> um. Okay. What other, like, what What would she have gotten awards and such? Oh, maybe secretary? Secretary? Secretary, correct. Okay, I wouldn't have initially guessed that, but, like, when I take myself down the logic trail of how I think this algorithm works, it's there. Which leads me to Sherry Baby. Incorrect. Not Sherry Baby, even though she was Golden Globe nominated. All right, your two missing ones are from the years 2006 and 2009. Is 2009 her acting Oscar nomination? Crazy Heart? Crazy Heart, correct. That heart, it's so crazy. crazy. Do you know her character's name in that is Jean Craddock? Sure. Sure. And did you say 06? I sure did. Is it World Trade Center? It's not World Trade Center. Okay, then it's Stranger Than Fiction. It is. This had Oscar Buzz, former film, Stranger Than Fiction. Correct. All right. Well done. All right. What do you have? So we're running out of people to do IMDb's for. Well, not running out of people. We're it's not running very out of people. hard to come across people we haven't done. It takes a while to find a name. So when my logic was, I went into the many famous Glorias. Okay. And for you, Joe Reed, I'm going to need you to get on your feet, get up to make it happen. I've chosen Gloria Stefan. Wow. Three of them are soundtrack credits. Sure. And one of them is an acting credit? Yes. Is it Music of the Heart? It is Music of the Heart. Okay. Leaving you her soundtrack credits. You have to guess the movies that she has had songs in. 
<sighs> All right. Three men and a baby? Incorrect. Damn it. That was my best guess. Um, Gloria Estefan. Is it the new father of the bride? No. Damn. Okay. Your years are 1994, 1995, and 2006. <laughs> 94, 95. What ones would have... Oh, Birdcage is 96. I'm trying to think of, like, Miami cinema. Um, 94, 95. And then what's the other year? 94, one of the two headliners of this movie was on your Best Supporting Actress Makeup and Hairstyling ballot. One of the 94 95s? 94. Best Supporting Actress, Makeup and Hairstyling. Now I gotta remember which ones that I did for that. Okay. Um, uh, um, ninety-four, ninety-five. I had two from The Mighty. I had Battle of the Sexes, The Counselor, and Suspiria. So none of them from then. Oh, but it's from the same actress as one of these? Is that what you said? Yes. The she Mask. Has, she co-headlines the movie. The Mask. No. Damn it. Is it Cameron Diaz, though? No. Is it Sharon Stone? It is Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone, 94-95. I don't think... I think all the music in Casino was era-appropriate, so I don't think it would have been Casino. Um, Was it like... uh? Uh, uh, the specialist, the specialist, yeah, that's featuring the Gloria Estefan song "Turn the Beat Around." Sure, yes. All right, what are my other years? Ninety four and uh... ninety five and mm. two thousand six. Right, ninety five and oh six. Is the oh six the new Miami the Miami Vice movie? Incorrect. Damn it's it. a movie we talked about on our Da Vinci Code episode. Oh, okay. So a summer. 06 movie she is the, the writer of this song which is performed by one of the people we've talked quite a bit about in our best supporting actress uh categories oh gosh okay or or i she i mean maybe we didn't talk about her performance but like she looms large nicole kidman no Looms large and Jennifer Lopez. actress. Jennifer Lopez. Jennifer Lopez in 06. What was her 06 movie? It's not a Jennifer Lopez movie. Jennifer Lopez performs the song that features in the movie. I see. I see. I see. She performs a Gloria Estefan song. Oof. Live action that is movie? featured in a live action movie that we talked about during our Da Vinci Code episode, meaning it was released when yeah. in 06? Summer. Yes. Summer movie. Not a movie that did well that summer, but is an Oscar nominee, I think. Really? Didn't do well. No. Yes, nominated for one Oscar. Which category? Visual effects. In oh, X-Men? <laughs> <laughs> the last stand? No. no. Um, oh, golly. Oh. Big six. old bomb. Big old bomb in 06. 
A remake. Poseidon? Poseidon. Really? Featuring the song written by Gloria Estefan, Let's Get Loud. I forgot that she wrote that. Does Fergie perform Let's Get Loud? I don't know. I should watch Poseidon again. Let's Get Loud, by the way, looms so large in halftime. Like, I mean, as you know, if you watched either the J-Lo halftime show or her performance at the Joe Biden inaugural. uh, If there's anything we're going to do, it's we're going to get loud. Yeah. All right. So 95. 95, a movie that fully kind of tells you the concept, but just by the title um actually who is third build in this movie jennifer lopez (laughs) really in 95 (laughs) so pre oh is it money train it is money train baby (laughs) featuring the song nuevo dia sure okay all right so here's the deal chris i got maggie gyllenhaal in like half a second and there was somebody else from mona lisa smile i also could have done that we hadn't done before like I what do i'm think... proposing is we clean some of the slate how far back i think the first we're at 200 i say we clear off the first 100 episodes worth of names wow on the on the assumption that they've changed or that we've forgotten who who's, I... who it is both I, on the assumption uh, that they have changed but also that it's just it, I find it actually time consuming to find people that we haven't done. <laughs> All right, and especially like as we get get if we have guests come on, it's only going that it's only sure. going to do. Yes, that. I do not want to. I do not want to put in an imposition for our guest. Of course. All right. Here's what I will say: You are free to um follow your new rule. I will try to have fresh and new ones because i am a uh self-disciplining catholic and (laughs) uh look to make things harder for myself than they need to be okay let's meet in the middle maybe what i'll say is if i pull up five names who are reasonable and are not gloria estefan songwriting credits that and I can't get one from pulling five. No, listen, people. you are then like I say we look do like hundred episodes. You are free, Jeannie. You're free. You are free to choose anybody from the first one hundred episodes. All I'm saying is that like I'm still gonna try to do it the hard way, just because I again am a psychopath. So, um, but yes, all right. So we have wiped the slate clean from the first one hundred, and we'll see. Uh, what's changed and what's not because again i probably don't remember i can't i can't imagine that uh that my memory is it goes back that far for that kind of stuff so uh yes fantastic slate clean all right chris it's a marathon but we made it to the end i was glad we were able to do this together and along with our best friend julianne moore who has an open invitation. Do you know, can I tell you now that we've actually gotten to this episode? Um, what I really, really, really wanted to do that I couldn't do was pay for a Julianne Moore cameo to oh my play God. in this episode. And she is not, to her credit, <laughs> she is not available on cameo. 
which how many oscar winners are on cameo i don't think very many because i also looked for that to see if there was olivia coleman's on cameo is she really she is on cameo is she expensive i'm sure yeah i would have i don't I don't I didn't make a determination as to how much I would have paid for a Julianne Moore cameo. I would have written it off on my taxes. But <laughs> um I I I probably I don't like to think of how high I would have paid for a Julianne Moore cameo, but I was deeply I was like this is the best idea I have ever had. I'm going to surprise Chris with a Julianne Moore cameo on our Gloria Bell 200th episode. And I'm so glad I was, you didn't because I would have been in tears i was so bummed i was so bummed that that wasn't possible but if any of you out there uh have an inside track on julianne moore and want to have her record a voicemail message for us and uh send it in to us we will buy you something nice i don't know (laughs) we will we will uh we will show our appreciation in some way but anyway uh, I think in general, even without a Julianne Moore voice cameo, that we uh, we had a very great 200th episode. So thank you all. I agree. For what listening. a great year. What a great year. We are showing no signs of slowing. So stick with us. Um, My uh, buddy, I love the you. This is, I can't listen, wait to see you. I know. We're t- Tiff is so close. Nobody I else know. I would rather do this podcast with, Chris, honestly. All right. That is our episode. If you, dear listeners, would like more of this at Oscar Buzz, if you could somehow manage to cram more of this head oscar buzz into your life after this episode you can check out the tumblr at this you should also follow our twitter account at hand underscore oscar underscore buzz chris where can the listeners find you and your stuff uh on twitter and letterbox at crispy file that's f-e-i-l I am on Twitter and Letterboxd as Joe Reed, Reed spelled R-E-I-D. We would like to thank Kyle Cummings for his fantastic artwork, Dave Gonzalez and Gavin Mevius for their technical guidance, Gavin also for guesting on a previous episode. We would also like to thank, for this 200th episode occasion, all of our wonderful guests, Nick Davis, Nathaniel Rogers, Katie Rich, David Sims, Tara Ariano, Bowen Yang, Bobby Finger, Pamela Ribbon, Nate Jones, Richard Lawson, Erica Mann, Kevin O'Keefe, Jordan Searles, Danita Steinberg, Cameron Sheets, Matt Jacobs, Matthew Rodriguez, Kevin Jacobson, Oliver Sava, Griffin Newman, Rob Shear, George Severus, Latoya Ferguson, Jorge Molina, Christina Tucker, Phil Iskov, Kyle Amato, Esther Zuckerman, Patrick Vale, Kyle Buchanan, and Adam B. Very for joining us as our very special and appreciated guests. Please remember, listeners, you can rate, like, and review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever else you get podcasts. A five-star review in particular really helps us out with Apple Podcast visibility, so put down that paintball gun and write something nice about us. That is all for this week and the first 200. We hope you'll be back next week for more buzz. They really got our number. Before we get too far into this, if you're ready to play a little bit of a game to kick things off before we even get into Gloria Bell, uh, to get us in a the game mood. before the sixty second the sixty second plot description, this this is chaos. Is a momentous. This occasion. is chaos magic, Wanda. Yeah, no. Well, I wanted to again. I wanted to set the table. I wanted to get us into the mood for the two hundredth. Okay, so as you know, and as our uh, our 
our loyal listeners, our loyal Garys now. Uh, to end the episode, we sort of bookend our episodes with the sound drop from Hot Chocolate for uh, um, Everyone's a Winner. And yet, quite often for our end credits, I, in my uh, eternal wisdom slash madness, will throw in a, a sound clip from something else. 30-second fair use, uh, don't come after us lawyers sound clip. Um Parody laws, parody laws, parody laws. Related related to the episode in various degrees of closeness. Rather, it's sometimes it's it's very obvious why I've chosen the song. Sometimes it's a little bit more elliptical. And when I'm going back into old episodes now, and from you know two hundred episodes worth of distance, I listen back and I'm like, all right, now I've got to figure out why I chose that one. So what I'm going to do with this quiz, Chris, is I'm going to give you the title of a oh. song, and you're okay. going to tell me what episode that song uh, outroed. And I fucking love this so much. If you can't get it from the song title, sometimes I'll sometimes I'll withhold the name of the uh, person singing as an extra clue. If you can't get it from that. I will explain to you a little bit of what the connection was, and then you can guess it from there. And and hopefully this will go quickly. This is also a, lot. a plug yes. for the closing of our episode for anybody who leaves the show too quickly. Yes, that's true. You Stick know, with like it to the end, outro kids. Stuff. Stick with it to yeah, the end. There's, there's uh, Easter eggs. There's, uh, there's post-credit scenes. There's, I've chosen you know. about 30, and there were well many more of that to choose from i'm trying to there were of the 200 episodes like literally exactly 100 have had non-standard closing episodes uh closing songs so um we're working at a 50 percent rate all right so chris are you ready to play the end credits game yes okay all right question number one song is rump shaker um vanity fair not Vanity Fair. Uh, uh, Rex and Effects Damn. Rump Shaker. It uh, was chosen out of a natural conversation that we had with our guest about uh, a a derriere bearing scene in the film. See, and I thought that that was Eileen Atkins's butt in Vanity Fair. I think by I think I used that as a drop within the episode as a as a callback to our use for it in this one. Um, it is a movie about an older man and a younger woman, and it was the younger woman's uh, uh rump in in question. Booty. Um, I recorded. I recorded this episode on location with our guest in Los Angeles. Oh, it's Shop Girl. It's Shop Girl. Yes. Claire Danes, the original rump shaker of uh, of this had Oscar buzz in Shop Girl. Okay, this one I think you'll probably get a lot. Uh, the song is Criminal. Hustlers, Hustlers, yes, very very obvious. Fiona Apple's uh, Criminal uh, closed out our Hustlers episode. All right, next one. The song is Crash Into Me by Dave Matthews. Ooh, when would we have talked about? crash into me i mean obviously it makes me think of ladybird and 
I think our only Sersha is on Chesil Beach, which definitely is uh, Bibi Zahara Benet ending the episode, though. Huh. I'm this need one, I will say, is not um, is not from its use within the movie, but in its thematic. The title is thematic to the uh, the events of the film. Oh, on okay. A, so there it on a kind of massive scale. Uh-huh. <laughs> so there's a big giant kaboom crashy. Massive scale say, means it's not a car. Yeah, bigger than a car, much bigger than a car. Some might say all the cars are in. Oh, it's Melancholia? Melancholia, yes. Yeah. Crash into me. <laughs> Melancholia. All right. Next song title is Only the Horses. Oh, the Scissor Sisters. Uh, Secretariat. No, but that's a very good guess. Um, you're on the right track. This has a a, ty- a word in the title in common. Either ho- all the pretty horses, all the pretty horses. Episode number fifty six. All the pretty horses. All right. Next song, Love Train. People all over the world, uh, join hands, start a love train. Yes, um, th- that which very ends one. last days of disco. Which is a Whit Stillman movie, so I think that's Love and Friendship? Indeed, exactly right. That was the path we took to Love and Friendship. All right. Next song. Put your hands where my eyes could see. Ah, Finding Forrester. Finding Forrester. Question. Was the outro of Put Your Hands Where My Eyes Can See the original... Bust a bus version, or was it me as Sean Connery? It was the Buster Rhymes version. It was okay. in reference to you during your demented Sean Connery impersonation. All right, next one Nutbush City Limits. Ooh, when would we have done this? This one is um, fairly demented. Because I think we made a joke because it was like gin house, outhouse, something, something in the episode. It actually is a reference to a character's name in the film in question. Oh, a nut beam. It's uh, the shipping news. Shipping news. Reese Fon's character named Bofield Nutbeam, and we took that ball and ran with it, honey. <laughs> All right. Next one. When you believe. Oh, uh, Exodus Gods and Kings. And Kings, exactly. Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston's When You Believe, uh, iconic um, uh, Egyptian uh, uh, sonic accompaniment. All right. This next one. I, I would argue that was our first experimental episode, unlike our EW, or a lot like our EW issues, because that episode is as much about when you believe as it is. That's true. Gods and Kings. <laughs> All right. Next one, I hope you struggle with because you deserve to. Uh, the song is You Sang to Me. Oh, this, I am not going to struggle with this because I tortured you for months with that song. By the way, thank you for reminding me to do that again soon when you least expect it. It's Bounce. No, it's not Bounce. 
<laughs> oh, See? okay. It's around you, that time, though. Yeah, you you brought it up again so many times that this is why I think you're going to struggle with this one, <laughs> and you deserve to. <laughs> it was a movie that I'm pretty sure had Mark Anthony in a supporting role. Oh, yes. Um... All the while you were in front of me, I never it's not gonna realized. Help you. It's not going to help you. Um, okay, what movie was he in? He's a oh, is it? It's not fifty four. No, not fifty four. It's but by it's directed. He's a by villain in this a movie. great director who we may have talked about very recently. Scorsese. Uh huh. What was our other Scorsese? We did a Scorsese. It was um, obviously Shutter Island. We said it was the only other Scorsese besides Shutter Island that we could do going back to the 80s. Bringing Out the Dead. Bringing Out the Dead, exactly. Bring Out You Dead. Um, Would not have remembered that Mark Anthony was in that movie. I know, I'm saying. All right, next one. The song is Six. Ooh, um, it was the other Boleyn sister. The other Boleyn girl, yes, from the original Broadway company recording of Six. Recent Tony Award winner. All right. The song is Fernando. Ooh, the share Fernando, was it tea with Mussolini? It was not tea with Mussolini. You're right that it's the share version of Fernando, though. And it wasn't... It wasn't burlesque, because burlesque probably ended with burlesque. Um, wasn't burlesque. Who is she singing to? Andy Garcia. Oh, it's an Andy Garcia movie. It's not... Um... Shit, what is the Andy Garcia movie we've done? Romantic drama. Uh, when a Man Loves a Woman. When a Man Loves a Woman. Very good. Yes. All right. Next song, Welcome to Burlesque. <laughs> burlesque. It's not burlesque. Oh my god. <laughs> um. Wow. Okay. So we are the only podcast who doesn't end their "When a Man Loves a Woman" with "When a Man Loves a Woman" and uh-huh. doesn't end their burlesque episode with burlesque. Right. Um. Okay. Welcome to burlesque. Was that tea with Mussolini? That was not tea with Mussolini. Oh my god. Um. We used it because the title construction was the same. Welcome to Marwin. Welcome to Marwin. They're very good. Our next song is You Haven't Seen the Last of Me. Which is probably not burlesque or Tea with Mussolini. You construct these things with the intention of uh, breaking my grip from reality and sanity. Um, Me? Is... (laughs) Okay, that's a Diane Warren song. Did we talk about it because we talked about Diane Warren? We talked about Diane Warren in this episode. Is it burlesque? It's burlesque. <laughs> God. It's burlesque. All right. Fi- uh, right. Next one, not final one. We've got many more. Uh, next one, Believe. As in shares Believe. Yes. Okay, so we're working through the Cher songbook. Um, Tea with Mussolini, because that's this is the tea, Believe yes. era. Yes, okay. this is Tea with Mussolini. All right, four different Cher songs that we've used. You've got them all. All right, next we're, one. Uh, we'll make it a goal to use many more. 
Yes, exactly. All right, next song is Louie Louie. Oh, we gotta go. Um, Was Louie Louie used in the context of the movie? Yes. Okay. Um, hmm. How do I know that, but I don't know what movie it was? Was it like October Sky? No, it's Louie Louie as performed by Demi Moore. <laughs> it's Bobby. It's Bobby, yes. Our first listener's choice episode. Yes. All right. Next song, Rapper's Delight. Mm, this was, we were talking about the, I'm guessing it was 1998. We were talking about um, uh, Wedding Singer. Is it the Rapper's Delight by God? I'm I'm going, and my brain is already fried because I'm forgetting this actress that I love's name. It is, is it Rapper's Delight as performed by Ellen Albertini Dow. Yes, it is. Yes, Ellen Albertini Dow. We did it for a movie that she is in. Is it 54? It is 54. Very good. Yeah. All right. Next song is Piano Man. Plays the song you're the Piano Man. I. It's not like the Lovely, is it? It's not. Uh, piano okay. Man as performed by Billy Joel, was the outro to this episode because of an anecdote that somebody told about Billy Joel in a Goop newsletter. This was the anecdote... So it's a Gwyneth episode? Yes. This was the anecdote where Gwyneth Paltrow said that she had her friend Katie Lee Joel over and her husband William. And that is why (laughs) I put this in. At the end of this episode. <laughs> oh, that's it, so funny. Um, it was also a part of our very first May miniseries. Uh, is, uh, was this La Divorce? No, our first May miniseries. Oh, okay. Uh, so it would have been 2003. It's Sylvia then. Sylvia. Yes, Sylvia. Gwyneth Paltrow in Sylvia. My favorite anecdote that I've ever heard from a Goop newsletter. All right. Next song is There Are No Cats in America. Oh, um, uh, when did I torture the, you with this? Um, was it because there's like Russian dialects? It's not Russian dialects. It is another immigrant story about uh, people who came to America and found that the streets were not, in fact, paved with cheese. Okay. Metaphorically. Mm. The accents, though... The streets are not paved with cheese. The accents, though, were a big part of our discussion. A big part of our discussion, but just not from Mm. Russia. From perhaps a country a good bit west of Russia. They're like... French. It's about no Italian. Keep keep going west. Keep going west. (laughs) German. Nope. A famous married couple in this movie. Uh, Far and away. Far and away. Yes. Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Tom Cruise punches a horse. It all happens in Far and Away. All right. This next one. I don't know if you're going to remember this one. This next one is Fireflies by Owl City. Um, ooh, I hate that song. Um, in this mm, case, 
It's Why? because Fireflies pay- played a significant, pivotal, tragic role in the events that spurred the film. Right. They caused some... Oh, God, what is this? This is a demented movie. Um, Perhaps a young child goes to somebody chase Somebody dies fireflies. from... Yes. Young child goes to chase oh, fireflies. God, what's wrong with us? Gets hit by a car. And a child dies. Yes, which spurs the plot of... A movie what with Mark Ruffalo and oh uh reservation road reservation road yes all right this next one i blame on you because you were the demented one who thought of this it's love you like a love song by selena gomez oh um oh i know that i i made some demented joke um hmm Did I use it as a pun on the movie's title? You did. Oh, God. The lyric in the song goes, I love you like a love song, baby. And you said, I love you like a love song, Bobby Long. Yes, exactly. You psychopath. All right. (laughs) Next one send in the clowns. Uh, constantly raising the circus tent for us all. Um, not a movie about clowns, I'm guessing. I don't think we've done many clown movies. It's not a movie about clowns. It is Send in the Clowns as performed by Catherine Zeta-Jones. Oh, by Catherine. Um, so it's a Catherine movie. Uh Uh-huh. When did we talk about Catherine? It's not a good movie, but she's definitely in it. Opposite Um, one of the biggest movie stars in the world Opposite. directed directed by one of the biggest directors in history oh my god why can't i know this um oh the terminal the terminal, the terminal. exactly all right i am enjoying my coffee this morning out of my casa's ada jones coffee <laughs> mug all right your next song is teeth by lady gaga show me your teeth um Another one that I'm pretty sure I made a pun on the title. It's not a pun on the title. It's about um, a, a, one of the many grotesqueries of this particular movie. Oh, somebody's got bad teeth in this movie. Um, or like ostentatiously uh, fake teeth. Perhaps to oh. differentiate one Oh, it's Goya's another. Ghosts. It's Goya's Ghosts. <laughs> it's Goya's Ghosts. All right. Next one. Breaking Dishes by Rihanna. Um, set to <laughs> Sissy SpaceX everything yep. from In the Bedroom. <laughs> you did that, right? You made that? I think I made that. I think um, you made that, yeah. But what Sissy SpaceX movie did I use it for? Ooh, when did we talk about Sissy? Um, We haven't done The Old Man and the Gun yet, which I would like to. We should. Um, we should at some point. A good this movie. Was a- yeah, I love Old Man and the Gun. David Lowry. Love that guy. Um, this is a movie where she plays the mom of the main character and the surrogate mom of the other main character. Oh, uh, Home at the End of the World. Home at the also End of the World. Movie. Also a very good movie. All right, yeah. next one. Gran Torino, as performed by Clint Eastwood. Gran Torino. Uh, the Mule. 
The mule also, though, fun fact, I also used it at the end of the Bucket List episode. So it's the only (laughs) song I've used at the end of two separate episodes. All right. Next song is Try Everything. Um... We bought not we bought a zoo, but the zookeeper's wife. Zookeeper's wife. Try everything by Shakira in character as Gazelle from uh, Zootopia. Yes, for the zookeeper's wife. Unimpeachable. Next bot. one. Next one. The theme from Thundercats. <laughs> it's not cats. It's not cats. No. It's cats. We ended with Celine singing "Memory." Yes, perfect, perfect ending. Um. Oh, I remember this. This is this is within the past year, I think. Yeah. What is it? Uh, it was used because uh, the movie featured uh, at least two um, uh, uh, jungle cats, uh, jungle cat characters, in uh, as owned by one of the main characters, who also, as I said many times. Uh, was a half-human, half-cheetah hybrid. It is the Counselor. It's the Counselor! Cameron Diaz playing a human cheetah. Yes, all right. Good movie. Next one, we've we've only got a few more. Uh, it's Raining Men by the Weather Girls. Mm. Oh. Was it... It's not 54... Well, that's the Eleanor Bertini Dow... so it's not 54 but like were we talking about disco no what's the only movie we've done about a weather girl oh to die for to die for exactly and have we got news for you you better next one penultimate question rupaul's bring back my girls this is a layup (laughs) (laughs) we we randomly ended with a bring back my girls Choke, right? What is it? Huh. Hurts Bring me that you don't back. remember this. That you don't remember this off of the top of your head. I worked I know. very hard on this one. I Bring, oh no, it's back my son. It's ransom. It's ransom. Sad that you don't remember that off the bat. <laughs> Alright. Bring back my son. Last question. Phil Collins is in the air tonight. This one isn't about anything that happens in the movie, but it's related to an anecdote that we told about the filmmaker. Mm. This, uh, in in that they had some type of Phil Collins run-in or something. No, what is the what what happens in the lyrics of "In the Air Tonight"? At one point. Uh, it comes in the air tonight. Yeah, but there's a verse about the the singer saw someone who was, all who was a pack drowning. Of lies. He saw someone who was drowning. Oh. And sent love and light. So RuPaul sending love and light. No, there was another anecdote, though, about you don't remember it. You should remember it. You should. This should be blazed oh, no. in your brain. I can't believe you forgot the anecdote. Where Bill Condon said that when he was dating Ryan Murphy, <gasps> and he got caught in a riptide, and for a moment, oh 
he saw the look on Ryan Murphy's face that looked like he was going to let him drown. And that's when they broke up. <laughs> My favorite anecdote. <laughs> I forgot I this. Heard. I know. I don't know how. So what movie? It's uh, it's Running with Scissors. It's Running with Scissors. Ryan Murphy's Running with Scissors. All right, Chris, you did a very good job with that quiz. Thank you. And a nice retrospective on a lot of the a... movies. Yeah, I love. Well, I wanted back to take a little episodes. walk down memory lane. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's nice to remember the episodes we've forgotten. Uh, that's also a nice quiz that uh, ultimately is kind of a roundabout way of saying what we do here, whether it's awkward celebrity anecdotes, whether it's terrible puns made by me. Um, <laughs> we love it. it. Whether it's me torturing you with a Mark Anthony song. Yes. In many, 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 many occasions. The work of Shakira. Yes, we do we it do all a lot here. of things on this podcast.